Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. and Sisters of the Leaf. Coming to you live once again from the corner of no hope, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. Tonight the gang goes back into the woods to drink beer, hunt for mythical monsters, and talk their way through the 2019 Bigfoot horror film, Hoax. They'll also be firing up the brand new Sobra Mesa Brulee Cigar from the Saka Squatch himself, Steve Saka, paired with pint after tasty pint of the Bat Squatch Hazy IPA from Rogue Ales. Seriously, with these drunken numbnuts on the case, I'd feel pretty safe if I was a Bigfoot. The only Yeti these boys are going to throw a net over is the Yeti cooler full of beer from a neighboring campsite. Know what I mean? You gotta love them, folks. So slip on your hiking boots, grab your bear spray, light them up, and enjoy the show. So, boys, here it is. Our first and possibly our very last Bigfoot episode. Y'all have big feet? Yes. Yes, I do. Tut, what size do you wear? 17. What size do you wear? 17. All right, you caught me. 13s. What size do you wear? 10s. 10s? What size do you wear? 11. 11. Hmm. You know what they say about the size of a man's foot, don't you? I'm size 13, by the way. Honest to God. Centimeters? No, 13 inches. You? Just saying. Learning a lot about you guys already tonight. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, this old fairy tale from my childhood. Uh, you probably remember this one. A lady purchases a magic mirror at an antique store and hangs it on her bathroom door. And one night after dinner, she looks in the mirror and playfully says, Mirror, mirror on my door. Make my bus line 44. There's suddenly a brilliant flash of bright light, and her previously tiny breasts instantly grow to humongous proportions. Thrilled beyond belief, she runs to tell her husband out in the cabin what happened, and they then both race back to the mirror. The husband crosses his fingers and says, Mirror, mirror on the door, make my penis touch the floor. Once again, there's a bright flash of light, and then his legs fall off. 
guys remember that one? Uh, no. 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 Preschool? <laughs> no, I wasn't growing up. I didn't uh, have that preschool teacher. 11 and 10, you guys probably wish you had that mirror, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but seriously, I, I did know a couple, uh, a young couple years ago, he was telling me the story, they'd been dating for a few weeks, and the guy was afraid of making advances uh, on her because he thought his penis was too small. And he confided in me. Uh, and he said, finally, one night, got up his courage, drove her out to quote-unquote lover's lane, the make-out point, wherever it was. They're in the back seat of his car, and while they're kissing, he opened a zipper, and he, you know, their head up, guided her hand down, and put it onto his erect wiener. And she said, no thanks, I don't smoke. Uh, that guy was the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, no more micro-penis jokes, I promise. I'm bigger than that. Uh, Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 102. Is that right, 102? 102. Is it 102? 102. All right. Yeah. I have a tough time counting after the 100. 102, I believe that's that's true. You guys doing all right? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, we, I guess we kind of started last show, uh, our march to Halloween. Yeah, I'd count it. Uh, I'm going to count it. Grizzly Bear movies count. Um, they're horror, horrific. They are. Uh, so this is our second film in our March to Halloween tonight. Very excited as well, I don't, going on five years this is our favorite time of year. It is uh, doing horror flicks and just everything. We got Leatherface on the table. I, yeah. I get to wear my horror T-shirts, dig them out of the closet. I'm, you guys know me. I, I live for this time of year. It's a fun uh, time. You know, it's funny. It's my favorite time of year, and there's no bigger Halloween fan than me. But on Halloween night, Tud actually like dresses up and goes to parties, hands out, like does the whole thing. I love me some Halloween. I turn off all the lights and just stay inside and don't do anything. Bah humbug. Yeah, it's kind of ironic, huh? <laughs> I'm a very complex man with my 13-inch shoes. Right, I'm just going to keep score so that's like the third time he's said. Uh, you guys been watching the news on this whole Jonas Brothers scandal? Yeah, actually, I just learned about it. Uh, I was flipping through, and I saw it come across the Before you showed up tonight, uh, Cody and I were watching a clip from The View. It made The the View, of all things. Uh, Just briefly, I want to talk about it, because I think it's worth talking about. Here we go. Uh, On social media this week, there was a controversy, quote-unquote, regarding Nick Jonas, one of the Jonas Brothers... Uh, appearing on the cover of Cigar Aficionado magazine. The magazine made two Instagram posts with images of Nick Jonas, his photo shoot, smoking a cigar, within a few hours of each other this last Monday. And within 24 hours, these two Cigar Aficionado posts had accumulated over a million likes. Not only that, Jonas himself posted a picture of the cover and said, I'm the first person under 30 to hold a cigar on the cover of one of my favorite magazines. I'm so pumped about this. He wrote to his 27 million followers. In the 27-year history of Cigar Aficionado magazine, no other cover has ever drawn such attention. Pretty cool, huh? Sorry, McConaughey. I still like your cover, but this kind of blew it away. It's pretty cool, right? In in social media. It's very cool. It's very cool. Uh, And in the magazine's profile on Nick Jonas, he had this to say. 
One of the things a lot of people say to me is, you're so young to like cigars. It's a narrative that I'm aware of and actually something I love being able to speak to. I think that cigars as a whole should be something that you share with friends, and there shouldn't be any barriers around who can enjoy them. And now, all of a sudden, I'm a Nick Jonas fan. This young man. All right. You nice, clean-cut, well-spoken, articulate young man. So, of course, his rabid fan base went nuts over it, criticizing him for promoting an unhealthy lifestyle, saying it's gross, being a bad role model to kids, putting his poor wife in jeopardy because she has asthma. You know, according to some of these people, cigar smoke is more hazardous to you than cigarettes, they said. The righteous internet judgment mob came out in full force. Oh, man. Which, let's be honest, should surprise no one here. They always do this. Uh, we talked about it many times at this table. But here's where it gets personal, boys. Those useless anonymous chatterboxes on Instagram and their opinions mean nothing to me or my daily world I swim around in all day. However, a lot of cigar folks on social media also came out swinging at both Nick Jonas and the magazine. Cigar folks for daring to put this pop star dweeb on the cover. Oh. People joking, oh, I bet that's his dad's cigar he's holding. Who's next, Justin Bieber? This is the lowest of lows. I'm officially canceling my subscription to your magazine as if they ever subscribed in the fucking first place. Get over yourselves. I'm done with Cigar Aficionado forever. To which I have this to say. We got a platform here. May I say something? Yeah, do it. You short-sighted motherfuckers. The cigar industry's been in crisis mode for years now, ever since the FDA took hold of it. Never in our history have premium cigars, you know, these things we all love and talk about every other week, have been so examined, so closely under the regulatory microscope. Everyone and their mama wants to shut us down yesterday. And here you have a very popular young celebrity, 27 million Instagram followers, from the next generation of cigar smokers featured on the cover, proudly promoting the lifestyle. And you're going to bitch and moan about it? Sit down. Just sit down. Open your eyes, you low foreheads. This can only be seen as a good thing. And if you can't put your bullshit online masculinity to the side and see the big picture, then you don't dare drop that BOTL hashtag whenever you post the next selfie of you and your sweaty tank top in your garage. Yeah. Get it over. Smoking with your dog. Because guess what? Those selfies of you and your tank top smoking whatever and holding up the camera, ain't nobody joining the culture because of that shit. Well, I guarantee you, in their lounge, they're going, you know, the worst thing about cigars is that it brings people together from all walks of life. Yeah. After you just pooed over this dude. No. Why? Because he's famous? He's young? You he's a pop star? If you shit on this, you are no brother of the leaf. You're a short-sighted ignoramus. And guess what, Einstein? I'm going to take a breath. Don't be a fucking moron, you morons. Thoughts, guys? Uh, I really can't fucking for once add anything to that. Because it's absolutely true. I mean, you have a guy that's... The only chance we have is to introduce the younger generation, not just to smoking, but to the culture and to the experience of it. And here's this young, very, very fucking popular kid who gets it and who's out there and a magazine recognizes that and features him. And you're going to come in with smart-ass comments But it's not just that. I mean, if you say that it's about bringing everybody together, then celebrate the fact that this kid wants to be a part of it. You know, his wife's a libtard. I don't care. Nobody should care. It's completely irrelevant. She can do her libtard things while he's at the If you care about cigars, if you care about enjoying new cigars ten years from now, you you should be up standing on your feet applauding this fucking magazine cover. 
Well, now you're now you pull the thing like you know. It, it just sounds to me when I when I hear that you know it's like, oh yeah, cigars. I love them. Blah blah blah. That guy smokes it. I know that's he's not a cool person. Yeah. So so you're. What now? You're the gatekeeper. I kind of I mean, think Rudy Giuliani is off his rocker, but if Rudy comes into the corner of no hope with a cigar, I'll be like, pull up a chair. We're going to talk. It just. It's, it's 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 the great uh, equalizer. You sit down with a cigar, you're equal, and you can talk. Man, when we were when I was when I was in uh, D.C. and I was at I was at ba- Shelley's back room, and there's literally like senators' aides right next to a bunch of people who just rode a bicycle in there. It's all walks of life, all colors that were there. There was both sexes there. There was women and men there, and I was just thinking, this is the coolest damn spot in the world. Because you have power ballers, and then you have me sitting right there next to each other, and when we can talk about stuff, it's I'm crazy, saying, these man. Fuckers posting in every single cigar group on Facebook, sitting on their raft with their Miller Lite in their above ground pool, thinking, "I got to share this." Well, they're they're just they're exactly like the social justice warriors they bitch about. Correct. They're the just the opposite side of the coin. They are just as snowflakey as their hated snowflakes. People. I'm glad you brought that up. That's the thing I hate about people. They're people. They're people. <laughs> and you have to be around them sometimes? You have to be around them sometimes. Fuck. <laughs> I mean... Well, I just... I, I you know, I, that, actually, I don't get it. It reminds me when it. we went to the... Uh, the um, the tasting seminar with yeah. uh, Jose Blanco and what did he say? What ruins a cigar? The only thing Assholes. that can possibly Assholes. ruin the asshole sitting next to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I guarantee you, in lounges across the country, they're bitching about this. I'm sorry. Right First now. of all, if Nick Jonas comes up to you in a lounge, I guarantee you, probably not. First, you, you're not going to know who he is. For, well, I would. You would. I, oh, because you no. Yeah. He, he was on the show. I really enjoyed Scream Queens. He he was really good on there. He was as an acting role. Season two, he was oh, okay, a little... Yeah, I bailed in like season okay. or he episode was really, two. He was really good in that. So I, yeah. I don't listen to his music. Don't look at me like that. I'm not a snowflake. I don't listen to that crap. But anyway, here's <laughs> the thing, though. And for the first time, in, he's an actual cigar smoker on the cover. Yeah. Usually they have dudes on the cover that don't even smoke cigars. <laughs> oh, God forbid we put him on the cover. Let's get another cover with Jim Nance of CBS Sports who never touches the stuff. This is... A win, 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 and if you can't see that, you're a fucking loser. And we don't need you. And like I said, don't you fucking dare use that BOTL hashtag if you're shitting on this, because a true brother of the leaf, one, welcomes everybody, two, would see how good this is for the industry when we need it the most. Eh. I'm just going to, hey, guess what? If you want to crap all over this, that's fine. That's your prerogative. You can still, you know, pull up a chair here. But if you start talking about how much you, like, bagged on this, dude, I'm just going to call you a moron. It makes no sense. If you love cigars, why you would be talking shit. Anyway, end of rant. Oh, and get this. Everyone talking about his wife having asthma. She's a cigarette smoker. There's pictures everywhere online of her smoking cigarettes. Oh. Have you seen her, Priyanka Chopra? Yes. No, I haven't. Or I should say, Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Yes, I have seen her. Stupid asses. She's quite attractive. Not her. She's not stupid ass. Them. <laughs> They're stupid asses. Uh, she's t- you should look her up. She's right. absolutely gorgeous. Oh, man. 
Um, I kind of figured you're like one of the biggest celebrity pop stars in the world. Me? No. Oh, her. Nick Jonas. Oh. I don't think he's going to be shacking up. You know. No, she's like this Indian uh, actress and, and model. And no, uh, she is like the. If you think he's a superstar, she actually has more fans. She's not in singing. Oh damn it! You know, speaking of Asian women, though, I was waiting for a table in a restaurant the other day. Um, and there was a beautiful Thai woman, gorgeous, sitting across from me, like on the bench, waiting across from me. And the whole time I'm staring at her, I'm like, please don't get an erection. Please don't get an erection. Sure enough, she did. I knew there was something All right, wrong with that now story. I'm done. Now I'm done with dick jokes. No, you're not. You never will be. <laughs> You'll never will be. We'll see. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I thought it needed to be addressed. No, 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 no. Good on you for it. Uh, and I'm glad we were all in agreement. I, I was waiting for Tut to be like when I said J- Nick Jonas on Cigar Fish. I'm like, oh fuck, what the hell? Like, he's, <laughs> what the one, hell? he's one of those dudes. <laughs> uh, good on you. Hey, I'm not I'm not all on board with Cigar Fish I think some of their ratings are crazy, and I think some of their again we say it all the time. Like their Christmas wish list. I'd like a solid gold s- ski boat. Can't really afford one. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How about this three cigar holder? Oh, that'd be great for Matt for Christmas. Oh, it's made out of pure elephant skin <laughs> and internal organs. Fifteen thousand dollars. I don't agree with everything Cigar Aficionado does, but good on you for this. It's a good move. I guarantee you, the moment uh, Skip Martin from Romacraft ever like put an ad budget into Cigar Aficionado, they would call, they would make a, his own like column of just him and his watches and all that stuff. Yeah, that'll never happen. Uh, well, speaking of cigar... Oh, by the way, I have to... You know, I understand why people bag on Cigar Aficionado, but at the same time, it's the reason why a lot of people got into the industry in sure. the first place. When I first, uh, when I first started getting interested in cigars, it was Cigar Aficionado, which I bought my first one. You know, Arnold was on the cover... I think it was when Eraser was coming out. This is goes way a little ways back. Yeah. And then throughout the years, man, I got you know I can never forget that I got the there's one with the Undertaker on the cover, um, and I got my uh, father-in-law not at the time, but it was da- we were dating. He went to a wrestling event, got the Undertaker to sign my my Undertaker uh, cigar aficionado. Yeah. Um, the Sopranos covers like there's a lot of iconic. Articles and and stuff they've done that I really appreciate. Back then, there was also like Smoke Magazine. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those things kind of went the way of the wind, and then the the media, the online stuff, kind of yeah t- took its place. But uh, do they serve a very important purpose? I th- I think as far as hey man, as long as M- Joe Schmo and Mama Schmo are in Barnes and Noble. Are there still Barnes and Nobles? Those exist. They do. They do. They do. And they see a, a cigar fishing auto magazine with the, you know, it's always in the cookbooks, magazines, and that kind of the lifestyle stuff. It gives us some kind of legitimacy, legitimacy and presence in out in mainstream. Yeah. Where else are we getting it? Um, can I have another beer, please? Yeah, I'm already already. We haven't started yet. Oh, and by the way, I uh, I, I have to admit, uh, speaking of Skip. Uh, and people just that just fire off. Uh, so I'm I'm scrolling sc- through Facebook and I see him post a picture of a Drew Estate Cuba Dart and Cuba Arte. Cuba Arte. 
Or Cuba de Art. No, it's A-R-T. always Cuba Art. I have now heard it both ways. I believe it's Art <laughs> It could go both ways. So he posts this picture of it, and all he said was, pretty good. And then all the naysayers just come out of the woodwork. It was a, that's trash. It's horrible. I can't believe you're smoking this. It was just like, why not? It was like, it's a cigar. I'm going to see what it tastes like. And it tasted all right. It's kind of sweet. Most of the acid lines are too sweet for me. He was like, but this is pretty good. He didn't say it was great. He didn't it say it was the cigar. best thing in the world. Well, how are you going to be able to good. say you judge a cigar if you don't ever smoke anything? Again, these little birdies just like to chirp, chirp, chirp and hear the sound of their own voice. And it's an echo chamber because they're just waiting. They post these comments and they just wait by their fucking phones to get that one little notification. Oh, he, he liked my... Somebody liked my comment. <laughs> and it's a it's an endorphin rush. Oh, the world And then is... I can go back out in my garage, take some selfies of me smoking a cigar in my fucking sweaty tank top. The world is Dude, less I than really wish you would change clothes. <laughs> and I'm not calling any certain tank top wearers out. I'm just saying. <laughs> By <laughs> smoking other brands, Skip is helping to get the culture expanded and or beyond just him. Right. It's not just totally self-serving. Although I'm sure... He's keeping an eye on those likes as well. Why else are you doing it? Uh, but, I mean, it's just... I just never will understand these fucking negative assholes. But... We're not negative, are we? No, well, we're, we're, we're kind of positive on this beer. And we're not assholes. This week. <laughs> well, we kind of are. Well, what <laughs> do we do here every week, Yak Boy? What do we do here? Yeah, what do we do here? Smoke a delicious... Cigar, Hopefully. we hope. Yeah. We drink a delicious beer. Yeah. We hope. We hope. And we watch fantastic, well-rated Academy Award-winning movies. Not very often. <laughs> but we do pair a cigar, a beer, and a movie. So let me introduce tonight's cigar and we get right to it. Uh, this, this cigar is by a man who will never appear in Cigar Fishing on a magazine. There. Oil and water. They have a long-standing, uh, <laughs> like the old feuds over, like the like the Palestinian, the Israelis. These these guys will never get along, and that's okay. Tonight we are smoking the Sober Mesa Brulee by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Steve Sockus. Brulee. Oh yeah. Uh, it's Creme B- Brulee. B R U with a little thing over it. L E with a little thing over it. E. Uh, that's that, that, that's technical. That's technical, yeah. Tom. Uh, this is one of his big releases this year, and as longtime listeners and watchers will know, or look people that look at our top ten list every year, some people maybe just drop in on us for that. Uh, Sober Mesa has been a pretty much consistent home run for us, from the original blend to the uh, Encedros, um, to the the short. Uh, the names that's given now, the, the the shorter version. Like we we've done three s- different versions of the Sober Mesa, and here we are with a fourth. Mm. But this one's very very different than our previous Sober Mesas, and I'm going to tell you why. It is a six by fifty two Toro wrapper. Of course, Steve is super descriptive and technical with his. <laughs> so here we go. Tobacco. The, the rapper is no, equ- no. He's the opposite. Of the <laughs> Ecuadorian Connecticut shade G two B W is the is the rapper. Binder Mexican Maracapan Negro de Temporal. Filler. Here's where I'm gonna go. It's all Nicaraguan filler. Condega C 
I don't know why I said C in an accent. C. C? <laughs> no. Codega C dash S G. Uh, Pueblo Nuevo Criollo. La Jolla Esteli C98 and AS I'm sorry ASP Esteli Hybrid oh wait just Hybrid Lajero <laughs> you're like morphing into a Wheel of Fortune guy there <laughs> I totally was <laughs> La Jolla Esteli C98 do 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 as always, I will save the price point for last. I gotta tell you, we always enjoy hearing what Steve has to say about these things, so I'm gonna give it to you in what Steve says. In a press release, Dunbarton, Maine man Steve Saka had this to say Sober Mesa Brulee is a recreation of the milder, shade wrapped ligas of my early years. Somewhere over the last three decades, many of the classic shade cigars have become wispy, uninspiring, and rather dull to my palate. I wanted to share with others the way I remember these blonde cigars being. That's why I knew you'd be excited about this. You you grew up smoking the the original Connecticut's the way they were supposed to be. Um, Also, as a ligador and tobacco man, I do not understand the recent trend of making strong Connecticut shade cigars, a.k.a. not your grandfather's cigar. To me, this seems like an oxymoron and a fundamental lack of appreciation of the enchanting characteristics and nuances of shade-grown Connecticut seed tobaccos. In Brulee, I embraced this shade kappa and dedicated myself to showcasing its mild, sweet, and nutty nature. You're getting sweetness, aren't you? Total sweetness. And Uh, that's just the cold draw. He continued to add, The Brulee is a variation of the core Sober Mesa Liga. Here's where it differs from our other Sober Sober Mesas in which the Pennsylvania seed leaf Lajero has been removed. The Condega Seco has been increased, and the wrapper is replaced with a top-shelf grade BW Ecuador Connecticut shade leaf. The result is milder, even smoother adaption of the Sober Mesa blend that does not sacrifice its wonderfully complex flavors or aromas. This is not a cigar to be smoked casually, but rather relaxing smoking experience meant to be savored slowly. Keep that in mind. It is, not, it is a very sweet cold I'm not rock. even sure I want to have a beer with this right now. I did not get much smell in the wrapper and the foot uh, before laying Oh, on. I did. Uh, it's a nice hay smell, but not like... I was actually thinking it's not like enter the barn in August to where it's just overpowering and ammonia is mixed in. It's just right. like hits you in the face. This is a nice, nice little hay smell, like just a open field smell. That was the first thing. And then when I put my lips to it, I was like, oh, I, it's sweet. I haven't tasted that before. It's for an unsweetened cigar, which Steve swears it is. Sweet. It is incredibly I sweet. Was, I was it, like, are you sure this is not? I take Steve at his word. It is not. It, it is the reason he chose this Kappa. It's the sweetest unsweetened cigar almost, I've ever had. But not like just a... creamy. That is a way to put it. I mean, it. I'm not getting like. Uh, I've never smelled creamy. The. It just. It's so light. Dude, I, I mean, normally you can, I pick up something, you know, I was, earth or a hay, yeah. just off that. Yeah. Now the, the the actual cold draw itself, yes, I am getting a, a, a more of a hay, earth, 
through that, but on your lips though, it's sweet, correct? Right. Yeah. But it's just. I will say this: out of all the cigars we've oh, yeah, done, well, I'm getting butter. We've done this year. I have never seen three cigars when I'm handing them out that looked identical, from the cap to the seamless wrapper, the minimal veins. Like every, usually I'll pick out the best looking one for pictures. Right. They literally all three cigars looked identical, and I can't remember when that's ever happened before. I mean, it, it to a T. It was it was creepy. Oh god, that smells good. I can't smell my own aroma when I light a cigar, but I can smell yours. Is it? That's the way I am as well. Like when you light it, I can smell, or Cody lights yeah, it. I can, I can never it, smell I can't. my own aroma. It's weird. I guess is that like a bo thing? Like you never know when you stink. Oh no, I can tell when I stink. Okay. Or if, if you can tell you stink, is that too late? It's too oh, late. It's too late. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Well, you just lit up. I'm gonna uh, relight. You tell us about the beer. Sorry, you can't light up yet. <laughs> too bad. <laughs> too bad. So sad. Uh, beer. It's cold. It's delicious. All right, let's go. Nope, nope, nope. Right, here we go. Well, hey, I should I should mention this. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, you will see we're joined by uh, because it is our march to Halloween. Mr. Leatherface, who we'll talk about at some point in tonight's film uh, discussion, I should say, and our Saka Squatch. Saka Squatch. Uh, we got a Saka Squatch last year sometime uh, buying some cigars. Steve's kind of uh, mascot when he does events, he he buys some cigars. You get a Saka Squatch, and when you go to IPCPR in Vegas, he's got a huge Saka Squatch about I don't know about two three foot tall uh, yeah, cool. statue of a Bigfoot smoking a cigar. I thought about trying to lift it when we were there <laughs> last, uh, the year before last, and I was like, no. So uh, because of Saka Squatch, that's where everything we're gonna do tonight, the movie and the beer, come from. What are we drinking? We are drinking from Rogue Ales out of Oregon at 6.7% ABV and 54 IBUs. The Bat Squatch Squatch. Hazy IPA. Bat Squatch. Bat Squatch. Not that kind of Bat Squatch. That sucks. If we had put maybe a little Batman mask on the Saka Squatch, then maybe so. <laughs> Tell me about the Bat Squatch. The Bat Squatch, from their own words from Rogue Ales, for years rumors have circled that deep in the woods on Mount St. Helens lives the fabled Bat Squatch. While there have been many tales of Bat Squatch, they're all a bit hazy on the details, which makes the truth such a juicy mystery. So, what better way to honor the elusive legend than with a hazy IPA? Perfect for camping and potentially making a new friend. This juicy, cloudy IPA features intense tropical flavors and aromas. You know, I I chose tonight's beer because I didn't want to... uh, We're going to go with the Yeti Imperial Stout. I thought the the heavy caramel and and coffee might kill the scar. I want to go... I, I read a lot about this beer and then how just pleasant and yeah. low low bitterness and um I think we're gonna have a winning pairing yes. like big I, time here. I'm really feeling this pairing. No? Well, it's too early to tell. It's, it's far too, too early, early to tell. Man if you I, stick your I when I poured this beer talk about aroma. 
I got this wonderful whiff of peaches. Yeah, it wasn't yes. uh, like I was like IPA. Here comes the pine salt. Nope. No. As they, as they no. said, you know, a, a very intense tropical flavors. The ingredients include a two-row malt, flaked wheat, malted wheat, and oats, uh, including mosaic, El Dorado, and Belma hops. As well as uh, imperial juice yeast, and I'm not sure how they go. It's define the, this a uh, free range coastal water. Free range <laughs> coastal water. I'm not. I, how range. do you? My water oh, wait, is wait, only grass fed. Wait, wait, wait. This is Portland. <laughs> it is uh, Oregon. Oregon. It is Oregon. Uh, right. They are currently uh, out of a uh, Newport. Originally, Rogue Ales was founded in Ashland, Oregon, in 1988. Yeah, they've been around. Did we do it? We did a Rogue, right? Uh, most famously, Rogue is known for their Dead Guy Ale. Oh, we did that one. We did the Dead Guy Ale. That's pretty much their their flagship. Okay. Uh, they started out primarily being a brew pub in Ashland, uh, starting in 88. Uh, three friends, uh, Jack Joyce, Robert Strasser, and Bob Woodell, uh, all basically joined forces when another friend of theirs, uh, Jeff Schultz, came to them with the idea to open a brew pub. So well, they did. Way and, to go, Jeff Schultz. And it sort of has gone on and been gangbusters to where they basically have almost uh, national coverage. I mean, uh, very few craft beer, beer drinkers would probably not know the Dead Guy Ale. So. Yeah, that's true. I I really like the beer. Um, it is not bitter. Um, it is not. I don't know what the definition of a hazy IPA is. It's hazy. Um, it is very hazy. You can't it, see it. It looks like orange juice. Hold yeah, it's, it's like unfiltered. It's, it looks exactly like uh, freshly squeezed uh, oranges. But the main citrus I'm getting is peaches. Maybe a little mango. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not bitter but at it's, all. But it, it is fruity. It is very tropical. It's very tropical, but, it, but it's not sweet. I'm not, no. getting, I'm not getting sweet. I'm getting sweetness off the damn cigar. <laughs> it's like pineapple? Uh, yeah. To me, pineapple's got a bit more of a bite. This beer doesn't really well, I, have a I bite mean, just, at all. Just the, just the no, it's, it's 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 mainly it's got the citrus and it's got a, kind of a wheat. Yeah. You guys getting kind of a wheat a wheat flavor from it, mm-hmm. kind of a wheatness. Well, like I said, they they said they used a flaked wheat. Oh, did yep. Let me start listening. To what he's saying. Over In there. I swear I didn't In hear you say. I came up with that on my own. I don't know. I think what you're tasting is the imperial juices. Yes. <laughs> Imperial or the, juiced yeast. Or the free-range coastal sure waters. I, I, it makes a difference when you I, I, I was like, I, I read that, and I read it twice. Like, free-range, where does... They go out in the ocean and scoop up some I was water. about to say, screw Coors and their mountain like, water. This is free-range ocean water. Coastal you said, you waters. Free-range... Uh, how does one define that? I'd say that? they're using that ironically, but because it's Oregon and Portland, those hipsters... Only unfinched, put free range on anything. Only unfinched streams were used in the making I of this beer. Have, I should have sent Steve an email to see if these are free range cigars. <laughs> he lets the cigars breathe out in the pasture before boxing them up. Stretch their legs. Uh, that tobacco can go anywhere it wants okay. to. Are you liking the beer yet? I am liking the beer. I am too. Uh this would be a good beer uh, at the pub, O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown Historic Temple, Texas, in the summertime. Oh yes, I'd I'd, I'd buy pints of this. Tut, your ash is going to. You're supposed to be smoking it slowly. No, no, I'm not. Steve said. <sighs> well, sorry, Steve. They don't call him Steve Saka for nothing. I don't know what that means. <laughs> not sure what that means. I'm not interested in the beer at all. Uh, tell me about the cigar. Well. Yeah, boy, lights. I'm up. still trying to figure it out. Uh, 
there was a there was a hint of pepper on the palate, uh, not heavy pepper, but it was there and it was present. It went away pretty quick. And I'm trying to actually isolate what the retro is, and I'm having a little bit of trouble. Uh, there's a hint of breadiness there, uh, but there's there's a spice there that's not like a tangy spice. I almost it's like hints of cinnamon that just kind of float and then disappear. No, it is cinnamon. Is it? It is, but that's also a trademark of the Sober Mesa, the original Sober Mesa. It has that cinnamon kind of, uh, all sp- not all spice, but uh, cinnamon is, is something I think we all got from the original. That it, it, It's a very uh, uh, baking spice on the on the nose as opposed to usual white pepper, yeah. jalapeno. It's, it's, it's a very different retro hell, yeah. But I admit, but when, upon first light, it's just it's just a, a nice tingling pepper. But that kind of goes away into yeah, into, yeah. into the cinnamon. Yeah, that pepper. I mean, it was literally like just there for a couple of couple of inhales, and then just kind of took a very big bat seat. Uh, holy smokes, I'm liking this. I am absolutely liking this. Uh, I agree with the breadiness on the draw. Uh, there's there's a, a little bit of cedar for me, but the breadiness is the is the I thought there was a kind of wood that was the prominent. There. I'm, get, I'm getting some some kind of cedar, some some breadiness. I'm getting a little butter. I kind of thought I was too, but I'm not. I'm, I, I <laughs> don't. Ashamed to say it. Dude, Shouldn't I'm getting my notes. Might I'm be margarine. Sitting between two assholes. <laughs> this might be the night you get butter, buddy. It's it's kind of buttery. I'm. I'm <laughs> just saying, I really, really like this cigar. Has knocked me off the beer. Like I'm Maybe afraid to taste the beer because I don't want to mess don't, up. I don't want to mess up the cigar. I don't think. Look, you don't have to accent your points with the. <laughs> I'm listening. I promise. No, it, it was, was an tiny, accident. We just get tiny cigar gongs. <laughs> it was an accident, but I kind of liked it. You get those little things like chess players. Like after we say what we think of the cigar, we hit the little timer. Go. Your turn. Um. Yeah, there's a little bit of kind of a buttery... You're on the cigar clock. There's <laughs> a little butteriness to it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe that's why I'm smelling the cream. Yeah. This way I can whipped, describe it. I don't know. Whipped cream? Whipped cream? Buttercream? Buttercream. <laughs> it's a roadhouse cinnamon Draw butter. Draw is... It's drawn like a dream. Uh, burn line... <laughs> look at those. I mean, they're perfect. Um... I'm glad we got the Toro. It is a fast-burning cigar, and I'm not smoking it fast. I'm, I'm trying to go yeah, slow. Yeah. The secret ingredient is gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think it's interfering at all with the cigar. I am going to give the, it. The, I am going to give it a a 10-second break between puffs and sips, but uh, I don't. I don't think the cigar's at all capable of killing anything. Uh, the sweetness. You has, mean the beer? The beer's yeah. The beer's. Yeah. I'm sorry. The beer's. It's not capable of, of squashing anything in a cigar. I, actually, I, I kind of think that the cigar might actually bring out a little bit of sweet, more sweetness, more sweetness from the in beer. that. I that sweetness that was so prominent on the cold draw, that's not really there for me. No, but now. you are correct. I mean that that cinnamon is very much there. I have just a light pepper through the nose. And oh, it's delicious. I mean, like a creme so, brulee. No, still I get, hate creme brulee. I've never had creme brulee. Still I, little, I, that I little hate bit them. of the woodsy. Yeah, it, there's it's that little component. We're all on kind of the same page here. That doesn't happen all that often. Uh, what is creme brulee? It's a dessert. It's a is delicious. Is that the torch? Yes. Yeah, they not, caramelize the sugar on top. Yeah, I don't think I've ever it's had It's kind of like a... How do you not have creme brulee? <laughs> I tried it. You know what? Like I'm out. It. 
getting out. You know, I didn't so. like it. I never had a Big Mac either. Oh, call me out on now this. You're, yeah, now this, you're just. This is America, my friend. You know, it's funny. I, I go back to Russia, Cade. I, I made a comment the other day on. No, he can't go there. They have Big Macs in Russia. <laughs> oh. To, just to go back to the... <laughs> go to Afghanistan. Can't, wait, I think they actually have one in Kabul as well. To go back to the world of idiocy that is Facebook, I made a comment the other day on Facebook about how, you know, we're talking about new cigars, and, and it might have even been a Steve Saka post about, you know, everybody wants new, 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 but it's not sustainable, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, look, I, I go for what's new from a brand that I that I like, you know, just like a band you like, their new CD comes out, you want to you want to listen to it. And I, I, I was like, I've never smoked a Perdomo cigar, so when they release something new, it doesn't come up on my radar like a new Drew Estate would or a new Steve Saka cigar would. Yeah. And somebody was like, you call yourself, uh, you know, a cigar smoker? You never had a Perdomo cigar? And that was my answer. Well, I never had a Big Mac. You can tell my big ass I don't know hamburgers. It's a wide, vast world out there, my friend. There are a lot of cigars. There's a lot of cigars, and there's a lot of fucking hammers. What are you writing down there about me and that Big Mac? I'm just saying that you can't believe you haven't had a Perdomo. I never had a Whopper, either. Are you sure you know hamburgers? I don't, I don't eat the, the signature hamburger. Like, I've never had a Jumbo Jack from Jack in the Box. I don't eat, like, their main burger. You should try all burgers. If you're going to be a burger expert, you have to try all burgers. Big Mac just seems burgers. like a bunch of lettuce. No, it's and a I lot of Thousand I, Island. And I, I mean, special I, sauce, I, I and it's wanna, awesome. No, no, you really can't go off the picture they're showing you, because once you get it in that thing, it's, it's just... like... Tick, tick. I don't want to waste calories on... And they have that third bun in there. Give me a break. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that in my life. Uh, that Big Mac's pretty juicy. I've never ate a burger and be like, like you know what this is missing? Another bun. I've been like, this could use more bacon. This could That's use more true. pickles. This could use all more jalapenos. All I've burgers. never been like, I could really use another bun inserted in this thing. All burgers can always use bacon. Yes, that's true. All right. So I think we're all enjoying it. Oh, we definitely are, man. Uh, I think Steve has a point here. A lot of the Connecticut's that we've had on the show that we've really liked on the show, uh, whether it be the, the Underground Shade, whether it be uh, the Rose of Sharon, whether the, those are, are are mild to medium. You know, those aren't too. But we we have featured some. I'm trying. My memory escapes me here. Not your father's Connecticut, and it's like a ballsy Connecticut, and some of them have been pretty good. Um, but I, if, I'm, I'm keeping in mind the the blender's intent here to go back to like you know Cody with his you know back in the ninety late nineties in college smoking his you know his Macanudos and his Davidoffs the the old school you know Connecticut shades. If this is a traditional Connecticut, I've never had a traditional Connecticut. A traditional Connecticut done well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's a lot more. There's a lot more thought put in this than a. I'm just saying. I, you I, know, a fucking Macanudo. There's there's a lot of Connecticut's. No I've offense had, to Jorge not. Macanudo and the Macanudo family. I'm sure I'll get fucking mail for that. <laughs> not only do you not eat Big Macs and smoke Perdomos, they're shitting on Jorge Macanudo. Jorge's probably gonna put a hit on you. Not Pablo Escobar. Pablo Macanudo says hello. <laughs> oh shit! Damn it! That's how I end. That's that's the end of the story. Two slugs in the back of the head from the fucking Macanudo. And a Big Mac shoved in his mouth. <laughs> wait, 
<laughs> oh my god, the Big Mac would be a perfect cut. <laughs> Dude, no, my head is in a Big Mac box. They just kind of sandwich it in there. <laughs> my head is the third bun. <laughs> the third bun. <laughs> well played, Jorge. I'd be lying if I said I didn't see that happening. <laughs> I knew this is how it would end. Uh, okay. Uh, so we are liking the beer? Yes. yes very much so. We're all obviously enjoying the cigar. What does that leave us? Wait, wait, I know the answer to this. Come on, man, you got this. A movie? A movie. A movie. 40 minutes in, we got to get to the movie. Oh, we're getting Is it a, a movie, movie about something where we can relate this cigar and the beer to? Well, we got the Bat Squatch beer. Yes. We have the Saka Squatch cigar. Yeah. So we're going to do a Bigfoot Sasquatch movie, boys. Uh, uh, That's what I do. Yeah. I make it work. And a new one just dropped last week on Video On Demand. Yeah, that's crazy. Grand spanking new. I know Tut likes new shit. Mm Mm-hmm. So here we go. I did this for Tut. You owe me one. Well, not Uh, really because it's Halloween, and so y'all tend to do, like, scary movies. Yeah. That's not my wheelhouse. Well... I didn't do a sack of squatch that the sock sack of a sack of squatch. <laughs> I didn't do a sack of squatch Disney movie. I could probably found a Sasquatch movie where the Sasquatch wears a clown mask. That would have been done, that would have been that would have been over the top. That would have been, I mean, been, been out of bounds. You could have done Harry and the Hendersons. I mean, oh. you know, let's, let's do some nice stuff here. I do like. Oh yeah, but you know what? It's Hello fucking Ween. So oh, I just don't put got your big it. boys pants they on. They named him Harry because he was. Harry. Harry. Oh, yeah. I never course. got that before. Well, it's because they spelled it H-A-R-R-Y. That's what threw me off. Yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was a play on letters. <laughs> and do you like John Lithgow? Uh, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Uh, we're doing the Bigfoot movie Hoax. 2019. Written by Matt Allen and Scott Park. And directed by Matt Allen. This is his first feature film he's ever made. So be nice, boys. Making movies ain't easy. No, it's not. I'm Let's really surprised at the actors he got for this. He had a little bit of money. Uh, we'll talk about these actors as hey, we go along. I think we're going to disagree on this. Okay. Well, I don't know. We might not. Let's <laughs> <laughs> flip flops. Uh, <laughs> what size flip flops you wear again? Seventeen nines with those nines. <laughs> All right, well, we start things off right where we left things off in our last episode, The Woods. The Woods? This is going to be our marathon series of... Tent, Halloween in the mo- Woods? Tent, tent whore, as I call tent it. Tent whore? Tour. 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 Yeah. Hence movies? No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're doing a bunch of wood horror movies. Movies set in the woods. Why not? Uh, and I might abandon this for the next couple movies, because I'm kind of sick of the woods. <laughs> Uh, we did two Woods movies, Grizzly Bear movies last time, but uh, Sokka, how could you not do a Bigfoot movie? We're sitting around the campfire with a group of youngins, a 20-something named Alex. Hey, our main character was Alex in the last film. Indeed. Is telling her friends the truth about the Bigfoot legend. He's big. He's thirsty for blood. Stuff we've all heard a million times. And all just then, some goofball named Sam... Wearing a generic Loomis baseball jersey. Do you notice that? Nah. 
That's our first wink, wink. I'm a Carpenter fan. Okay. Uh, you know, Dr. Loomis from Halloween. I actually missed it. But it looks brand new. Like, yeah. They had it made just for the movie. <laughs> just crisp baseball t-shirt with Loomis written on the back. Uh, he jumps out and scares them all. But it's a poorly executed jump scare. It doesn't scare me watching it. It didn't at all. even scare no. me. And if you can't no. scare me, you I mean, scare that's horrible. T- yeah, you missed the mark. On the back deck at night, uh, yeah. you should be able if, to scare if me. You're not, if he's not jumping, you failed. Nah. Uh, one couple retreats to their tent to start screwing. Hey, baby. While another heads off into the woods to do it. Hey, baby. Nick and Michelle's romp under the moonlight comes to a screeching halt, literally when they hear a female screaming in the distance. She tells him to go check it out as it sounds like Alex screaming, but he says, hey, it's cold out there. It can get cold in here, she says, referring to their sweaty sleeping bag. Speaking of her referencing that sleeping bag, that line is a direct reference ripoff of Halloween 2, the hot tub scene in the hospital. Yeah. Bud, go check the temperature. It's cold out there. Get cold in here. I missed it. Uh, that's two Carpenter riffs. Like, real quick. Within the first 30 seconds. Not to mention the whole Bigfoot story was straight up uh, the fog. Uh, oh, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, so the guy likes Carpenter. Well, Nick isn't gone two minutes before someone or something tosses a bloody body part. I can't tell what the hell it is. Uh, near Michelle, which leads her to scream like hell. But nobody hears her yelling out. Because back at the campsite, the chick riding her boy toy, Chris, in the tent is screaming out in ecstasy at the exact same time. So many chicks screaming, it's hard to tell what's going on here. But hey, I like the cut of the director's jib here. I like Uh, what he's going for. Yeah. Well, suddenly a creature of some sort knocks out Sammy, the Loomis teacher guy. He was filming the couple doing it on his drone. (laughs) He flew the drone like in the doorway of the tent. And he gave the bounce to wow wow (laughs) seriously Uh, it's alright he knocks out Sammy and then he drags poor Chris the guy that's screwing away just as he mounted the girl on top to pound his way to climax Yax did I use that term correct climax you did I thought I did thank god he didn't ask about pounded that was (laughs) (laughs) did you think he was going to pound her to climax I did it well, he didn't get the chance. Uh, his youthful load remains unspent uh, as his blood splatters all over the outside of the tent as the topless vixen screams once again, this time not in ecstasy, but in horror. So we get to see her titties, but not his wang, and I'm okay with that. Are you? Tut, speaking of wangs, the doctor's in here, so I'll have to turn to you as you're our resident college student here. Okay. What is that insensitive bit at the base of the penis called? The man. <laughs> uh, I'm just write that down. Didn't, didn't get it. Doctor would have laughed Take at that, that joke. Out. Doctor would have laughed at that joke. I haven't had biology yet. The insensitive bit at the end of the penis. It's the guy. Oh. Oh, Jesus. Oh. You drink some more. <laughs> so that's our opening. Oh, wait, you're saying that we're insensitive. Yes, Tut. We're the insensitive bit at the end of the penis. Gotcha. That's pre- it's us. It's pretty funny, Kate. Keep going, Katester. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's our opening, and to be honest, I don't know why the fuck I do this. Any- I mean, to be honest, I thought it was a little lackluster in all aspects. It was fine. Camera was too shaky, jump scares eh. were poorly executed, yes. acting was barely mediocre, yes. and the overall tension was non-existent. Non-existent. You just said it was fine. <laughs> but it was fine. No, it wasn't. It sucked. It was a horrible opening scene. It didn't suck. It did suck. It didn't I, turn me off. I wasn't... I wasn't- I wasn't thrilled with it. If we weren't doing I, if we weren't doing a podcast on this, I would have been like this is shit and turn off. It was sadly there was. I yeah, already but knew, there's a lot of movies we can't. You already knew what was going true. on. <laughs> well, that's he, why did, I, he didn't give you anything out of the ordinary. No, he didn't. He and didn't I was hoping, us, like you know, it's one of those things where you expect some. You know, if you're expecting it to jump from the right, you need to go from the left. But instead, you know, it's like oh, it's going to come out of from here. Yep, exactly. Well, this is why we do what we do, because I was forced to continue watching and say, you know what, hopefully this gets better. We'll see. Okay. As the credits play out, uh, over aerial footage of the Colorado wilderness mixed with archival Bigfoot photographs, the the classic stuff and some newspaper articles, a radio broadcast (laughs) tells us that five badly ravaged bodies have been recovered from what they called the Mountaineering Massacre, with Alex Barnes still missing. After six weeks, the search for Alex is suspended. I'm happy re- to report that while the opening was lackluster, the piano and synth-based score here, expertly delicate at some points and pulsatingly perfect at others, is not lackluster no. whatsoever, as it's composed by the one and only legendary Alan Howarth. Tut, who is he? I don't know. Alan Howarth uh, was a long-term John Carpenter, long-time John Carpenter collaborator. Uh, he helped compose the scores to starting with Halloween Two, Halloween Three, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, Escape from New York. So that explains why I like this score. Oh yes, all the early great Carpenter scores were collaborations between him and Howarth. Because there was a there Carpenter's was, not a technical guy. He liked to sit in front of a synthesizer and be like, "You figure out a noodle." You kind of like when we he, he noodles when we film stuff. I don't want to know about lenses, and that's your job, right? I just I just want a noodle, right? And you make it. You, you work with me, and we'll we'll do something, right? Those two teamed up to you know greatness. Some of the greatest soundtracks of all time. Yeah. Well, one of the things I liked about it is that there was a quarter note patch in there, to where it was just like. But he had en- he added enough subtle variance to where it never got monotonous or old or stale. It was just, but it but it didn't detract from anything either. It was just nice. Like I said, it is so minimal when it needs to be. It is so uh, aggressive, but stylistically aggressive when it needs to be. It's it's man, this guy's a pro, man. Uh, he he went on to actually do the soundtracks to Halloween Four, Halloween Five, uh, Halloween Six, oh, just on his own, and those were really fun scores in their own right. All right, um, but so I'm getting a theme here. It's that uh, <laughs> if it was touched by Carpenter, it's uh-huh. probably in this movie. This filmmaker's on records. It's uh, Carpenter's a big influence for him, and we're gonna just get hit over the head repeatedly okay. with that as we go on. Um, which you would think I was about me, to say 
you actually had a project where you wanted to do a shot by shot recreation of Carpenter. <laughs> so the fact that you're like, oh, this is horrible. I'm 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 kind of curious to dive into this. I'm going to put our kick- deep dive. I'm going to put our Kickstarter video that we did where yeah. I talk about my love affair with Carpenter in depth. I'm going to put it I on. I actually thought it was really well done. I'm, I'm gonna, sorry, I'm biased. I'm going to put the uh, that on our this episode page so you can kind of get how deep my my Carpenter love is. Carpenter love is. And all right, so going forward, is this one of those things to where like you don't love Carpenter as much as I do? I love Carpenter much. Not at all. You don't know how much Carpenter I love. I knew that this was a, this was okay. a, a love letter to Carpenter before I went into it, and I was okay. I was excited. I was rooting for it. Yeah. All right. Um, and who knows? I, did I hold my cards close to my chest? Maybe I still will. Maybe. You don't know. Maybe next page of notes. I'm like, you're this loving one, it. This is awesome. You don't know. You don't well, I know that there's going to be a spot you like. You don't know I, I, know, I know there's going to be a spot you like. Uh, real quick, um, we just talked about the score. We're getting started. I need to uh, just only because I've been talking so much. I just got to do a relight. How's the scar training, boys? That's <laughs> <laughs> very good. It's very very good. Yeah. Along the uh, 50% transition, you get a little bit more of the woodsy note. Uh, it's not... It transitions a little off that cedar to where you're not playing that heavy heavy cedar part, but there's a woodsy element to it. Uh, the cedar was never heavy for me. It was always kind no, of light in the background behind that breadiness. But it was present. It was there. It was um, present. And that, that creamy whipped butter. It is creamy. I'll give you that. I'm not really getting the butter that much. So I'm, at least in the midpoint. I'm in terms of strength. I mean, I'm. It's very. It's mild. Mild. It's right where it is. Uh, the pepper yeah, but is actually the right, pepper has come back for me in the nose. Only yeah, I was about to say that just in the nose. Otherwise, I mean, it's 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 minimal. I have to say the, something on the, the, the retro hail went from pepper to cinnamon. Now to me, it's back at pepper. I have to say something on the mild because usually, like when man, when a cigar is mild, I'm running away because usually, like mild cigars, I'm sorry, eight times out of ten that means lack of flavor. It, a lot of times, it really does. And this, oh my God, is just the opposite. It's light, it's airy, it's very mild and full of flavor. Yeah, that 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 breadiness. It's almost kind of like a, a cracker. Or not a crack, maybe a. It's like a graham cracker, maybe. Or a, I'm not getting graham. Because of that, because of that sweetness component, I would probably say I would I would go more with it, with graham. Um, but the, whatever it is, the breadiness uh, mixed with that that really to me subtle cedar, and then that just constant creamy butter, whatever the hell you want to call it, you call it cream. I'm calling it butter. He's calling it whipped creamy butter, like substance. Can't uh, believe it's not butter. I can't believe it's. It's margin. If I get sour cream out of this thing, we're gonna. Have, it, it's it's, it's just, not a baked potato. It, it's just delightful. I'm gonna say this. I probably never said this before in 102. It's a delightful smoke. It's just delightful. It's just delightful. It's it's. It's really, really good. And I'm going to say something. And here's the thing. People are going to shit on us. Oh, another Steve Saga cigar. You guys are going to give a... <coughs> excuse me. 
I've said it before, there are blenders that over the course of being a seasoned cigar smoker for years, you gravitate towards because guess what? You find someone whose palate, when they're blending it and they like it, you're going to get in tune with. Whether that's Willie Herrera, whether that's you know Skip and Esteban, whether that's Steve Saka, yeah, but to be whether it's Robert Holt, that that let's not let let him out of the conversation. These guys are proving these cigars because they suit their palates, and you find those guys who would suit your palate. Oh, another ninety something for you know, sorry. It is what it is. But, but to be, I but, like it. I like it. And I'm going to say what I say. But to be fair, Drew Estate is a sponsor of our show. You can see their logo on our opening credits. You can hear their message, you know, on, at the beginning of the podcast. But Willie says they make a whole range of cigars for a whole different style of palate for a whole different group of palates. They want to have something in their you know lineup that appeases to di- different people. There are Drew Estate cigars that I don't like. You have to earn your credits around here. So saying that, oh, you just like you're just jumping on Saka's bandwagon. No, I mean if we're cool enough to say we don't like a sponsor cigar, I think we can be saying that we don't like Saka's cigar. I'm on record as saying how I how unsurprised I am and shocked quite that I don't like the Micarita. You love it. Yeah, yeah, you're wrong about that. You're dead. When wrong. Steve came out with Dunbar, and <laughs> I was like, "What broadly? If you got what, what's your, what's your?" I'm surprised that the Sober Mesa is the one I go to, and not the Meek. I don't. The Meek Rita just for whatever reason didn't hit with me. Uh, I, I I liked it. Yeah, we reviewed it. Yeah, you guys rate a lot higher than I did. I did like it, but I I don't go to that one. I don't I don't pick up the Meek Rita when I'm in the shop. I just I just for me the Naka Tamale and the Sober Mesa are the best things he's done. Since he started the company, yeah, I love um, that Nakatamale, and I love the uh, I'm, I like the Nakatamale, and I love the Mikurita. Um, so you know what? It's just you know, but again, the guys saying that shit on Facebook are the guys who aren't doing shit except being on Facebook calling out dudes for doing something. So <laughs> yeah, sleep well at night, asshole. <laughs> Uh, that's what this director is saying about us. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. you butcher assholes. Well, you know what? Uh, <laughs> we're going to give you your due diligence. Uh, so I guess if somebody watches the whole fucking two and a half hour episodes, like, then you can say some shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm a podcast reviewer, and this is what I think about your stupid podcast. All right. Well played. But, yeah, I could smoke one of these every day. So far. Unless it's in... Takes a serious U-turn uh, or veers off. I, I'm loving the cigar, and and the beer is uh, really really good. I am liking the beer. And you know me, I love my my fucking balls to the wall double IPAs. I like my nose hair singed, but uh, this is just something different. I haven't come across. It's fruity, but it's not too fruity. A lot of, a lot of the you don't the, give a shit about the beer. Give a shit about the beer. <laughs> a lot of the hazy IPAs tend to be more in the mild range. Yeah. So I've never had a cigar that's absolutely made me just fuck the beer. There you go. What was the ABV on the beer? Uh, six point seven. Oh, okay. That's about, that tracks. That tracks. Okay. Um, all right, well, let's keep smoking. Let's see what happens. Uh, but, yeah, as far as those people that are like, you know what, I blame the cigar media. They give everything a 90 or above. Everything, you know, these guys. Hey, man, it, it's kind of, 
Well, first of all, we paid for these cigars. Yeah. Out of our pocket. Yeah. Steve didn't send us these cigars. No. Uh, Steve, Screw you, Steve. I'm Steve, giving you a 53. Steve doesn't... Well, a lot of these comments are like, you know what, I'd like to be cut a check to give a... Write down a 90 on a, you know, on a website. And it's like, dude, nobody... Ain't nobody cutting us checks for shit. If you want to, you know where to find us. We're easy to find. We're usually passed out and you know, your, your local Denny's parking lot. But, I mean, no. Uh, fuck, we just like what we like. I'm not going to be ashamed for it. I'm sure as hell I'm not going to apologize for some fucking no-name on the internet. Uh, I don't know. Inter- tonight's theme is... I was about to say, you've got some venom in you tonight. Did yeah, something happen? No. <laughs> Show us on the doll where the internet touched you, Cade. <laughs> I'm just sick of fucking dumbasses. Uh, can I have a beer on deck? Everything just... they fucking do is just negative or just trying to elicit some kind of fucking bullshit response. And it's just, it's all bad. Well, let's all just say the phrase, it's because of the people. But the, when it comes to cigars, I just don't get it. Because, like, you know, we're in such a crucial time here where unity and, like, let's enjoy this while we have it. Because we might not have it for long. And anything, whether it's bashing what we do, hey, you don't like what we do? Do it better. Get your own fucking website. Get your own fucking podcast. Come at me four years from now with... 500 hours of content and be like I did it better than you and you know what alright we'll have a talk but don't sit there just my Facebook comments are no you know what I, I that, doesn't, it, that doesn't work with me. I, I don't have time treated, for you, and I don't even want to hear what you got to say. I kind of treat it like uh, when I'm when I'm negative or being critical on a cigar or negative and being critical on a movie. Uh, I I can be critical on it, but I'm also aware of the passion and the skill and the work that's put in. And that it. goes for all three of our our vices: beer, cigars, movies. It's hard as hell yeah. to. Though establish I, your beer brand. I do brand? have to admit that I, I'm sometimes a little bit. I feel oh, no. bad for shitting on actors sometimes. No, you shit a lot more on movies than you do on cigars. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Maybe maybe we don't shit on cigars as much as we should. But I just treat it like I'd talk about them if we were at the pub smoking it. That's true. And very rarely, I mean, there's not a lot of bad cigars out there. There's a lot of decent cigars, a lot of good cigars. There's a couple great cigars. But very very few times are we out like at the at the dove this hunt is trash when we're dove hunting or when we're at the pub I'm like this is shit you know fuck we just, no I mean you know but again I have not smoked a Perdomo so I don't know <laughs> I don't know what that's all about I think I think we found what out what does he know he knows nothing I think we found out where the internet touched him. have you guys it touched him in his Perdomo <laughs> it touched me right in the tip of my Perdomo. Yax, what's that insensitive part at the bottom of a Perdomo called? <laughs> uh, have you guys ever smoked a Perdomo? Yes. Oh, okay. Have you? If I have, I can't remember. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, we join TV producer Rick Paxton as he corners his station director and begs him to let him take a crew into the forest and investigate Bigfoot. Played by who? Hold who? on. Hold on. Yeah. The pompous director... Already has his fill of reality programming, led by younger, fresher faces. 
But finally, just so he can get in his car and leave, the guy's blocking his car. He gives in to the veteran producer as long as he brings back proof of Bigfoot's existence. You know that thing they've been trying to prove for hundreds of years? As long as you give me that, you can do it. And if not, you're fired. You're done. Yaks, I know you know the actor playing Paxton. I'm sorry, the actor playing Paxton. What? Why don't you fill us in? It's been a lot of TV shows, right? Ben Browder. You may know him from such things as Farscape and Stargate SG-1. That's right. I want to get far away from his performance. (laughs) You know what? You You cannot tell me he's good in this. He sleeps his fucking way through, literally. No, he's smarmy in it. He doesn't. What else? Farscape and what else? Stargate, you said? Stargate, Stargate. SG1. SG1. That's it? And notable television shows, yes. And out of the what do you mean that's buildings. it? That's five years of like. Farscape is a great sci fi staple. It, it very when SG1 it, it, was on for like seven years. Now, granted, he was only in it for is like. Is that the one with MacGyver? Yeah, MacGyver was in it. Yes. I actually liked it better when MacGyver was in it. I, gotta, I wish MacGyver had been in this thing. Farscape broke ground in terms of sci-fi TV simply for the use of hints and puppets. Okay. Oh, man. I'm Farscape s- was really I'm sorry. It bad. seemed like he got the script that morning. <laughs> it did. <laughs> and they just were like, just stand in front of that tent and just read. Now, when I saw him, I was like, oh, wow. All right, this is going to have some budget behind it. I mean, wait a minute. What's he done lately? What's he done since? Hey, this movie came out two weeks ago. <laughs> Come on. That's true. He's like, give me a break. He's, he's sitting at home. Come on. I was in Farscape. I was in Farscape. Then when Cody mentions those Henson puppies, like, that man knows. That's right. We did it. We then cut to an animal hospital where Dr. Adrian Bo is examining a monkey. <laughs> she says, this primate is There's sweet. a euphemism in there, but we're just going to let that sit. Wish she'd examine my monkey. Uh, this, she's looking at, she's examining this monkey. And she says, this primate is sweet. Look at him, he's innocent. Unlike the last one, he was a killer right out of the crate. I'm just here. A killer right out of the crate, much like the monkey in the Creep Show movie we reviewed back on episode 58. Exactly. That killed her. I missed it. Yeah. No. Oh, and by the way, her name is Nurse uh, Velma, which is her name in Creep Show. He wasn't even trying to be. <laughs> Creep Show. Or what? Go, going back Whatever originally to. You know, saying Carpenter, it's the fog, it's... It's his ex-wife. <laughs> he literally grabbed Carpenter's ex-wife and threw her in this thing. But you know what? I love me some Barbeau. Oh, uh, who I doesn't? Say, I mean, I'm not complaining about that. I <laughs> wish her scrubs had been a little more low-cut. Like, if you don't love Barbeau, then you don't love... No, I'm sorry. He, he paid her for like two hours worth of work. That she, he couldn't get the girls in there for that. <laughs> it's all right. You know what? It's all right. Was she like 70 at this I point? I say, is she 80? She looks phenomenal. I don't think she's 80. What is she, like 100 years old right now? <laughs> she's 120. I met Adrian Barbo <laughs> one time. She's 110. She always lied about her age. She and still looks great. And, oh, she, and she's very good. It's a very small role, but she's very warm, and, and she does her thing. You know, I mean, th- and this... 
just like I said, he's this guy's throwing out just reference after reference. Well, I I had actually forgotten that he was just such a uh, carpenter fan, and so I saw the uh, I saw the intro where they did the little campfire scene telling the ghost story. So I'm like, oh, that's the fog. And then all of a sudden I saw Barbo in there, and I'm like, dude, that's pretty cool. I like that. So you missed the Loomis jersey. You missed, I did. Uh, I, I've missed all these all references the that okay. you've been going after. The chimp needs some medicine, but they're behind on their bills, which leads the young doctor, Ellen Freeze, to put the drugs on her credit card. She cares, boys. She cares. That's a bad financial move. It's a bad move whenever you start putting your personal credit card in line for monkeys. Yeah. They don't appreciate it. That's... It's actually what got us in trouble the third season of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. <laughs> I spent a lot of my own personal money on monkey's stuff. Uh, just then, Dr. Ellen gets a visit, though, from Paxton, your Farscape buddy. He needs a primate specialist for his Bigfoot project, and she reluctantly needs his $10,000 to keep the clinic afloat. I say reluctantly because when she goes into her office, they're like, you have a visitor. She goes into her office to meet him, and he's going through her desk looking at her divorce papers. What an a-hole. Like, what the hell are you doing? Don't matter what I'm doing. I got $10,000. <laughs> All right. That's as in-depth as that characters go. No, Next, he's a smarmy asshole. He is That indeed. established his smarminess. Next up for Paxton is recruiting the miss speaking of Smarmy, the missing girls Alex, her father, Cooper Barnes, to accompany them as a guide. He's been searching relentlessly for Alex, so he might as well get paid twenty five hundred bucks to let them tag along for this a week. This is a smarmy douchebag move. Dude, she gets ten thousand as the primate he expert. Gets, he gets twenty five hundred to lead them up into the woods. Hey, she's skilled, she's got a I'm sure she's got a bachelor's uh, or probably a master's. No, she's a doc she's she talks about med school later. Yeah. She's, 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 she's skilled labor. The team assembles at the helicopter <laughs> hangar. There's Dr. Ellen, Dr. Moore, an esteemed cryptozoologist. And we know that because he's dressed like Pierce Brosnan in Nomads. <laughs> Only they throw some little spectacles on him to spice it up a little bit. How can we make him look smart? Glasses. No, he looks like the dude from uh, Jurassic Park, man. He's got the got the little fedora on <laughs> dude, it. I mean, he's Pierce Brosnan from Sam Nomads. Sam Neill? Come on. We need to add a little nerd seasoning. Put some spectacles on it. <laughs> no. Uh, wire. Wire. Wire, wire rimmed frames. Uh, there's Justin, the cameraman, who's over telling Dr. Moore about a classic movie <sighs> scene where a female DJ on the radio is talking about the fog rolling in. And these guys are like, there's no fog out there. And wait, there's a fog. They have a That's- character actually telling you the story of the fog movie. And that's not a classic scene. And, well, it is a classic scene. I disagree on you there. But it has no context in this movie. And it's just... Again, I love Carpenter. Of all the scenes it, of all the scenes in the fog that I would have pulled out, the... Wait, there's the fog out there. Other than it's got buck flowers. Buck flowers, yeah. I mean, who doesn't like buck flowers? But still, it makes no sense in this... Like, why would this dude be just all of a sudden like... It, that scene? It, the... The reference I like Carpenter. here that this movie... <laughs> I like John Carpenter, Carpenter Hey, right hold here. on. Let me do my road flares. John Carpenter! <laughs> the only thing, there should have been a big Chiron that just... Carpenter. <laughs> so we want to get some establishing shots, but oh you know what? God. I want the guy in the background to be talking about Carpenter. And then, 
There's also the rugged ex-military man, Mr. Singer, who's providing security. Of course, y'all recognize Mr. Singer, Tut. No, I don't. He's the guy you didn't recognize? No, I mean, I recognize that I recognized him, but I don't recognize him. What I'm How about from? the original Terminator? Who's one of the punks. Okay, I he steals the clothes from. Well, I didn't even Cobra, know Cobra, the was in main that. bad guy, the axe. That was him. Yes. How about Three Amigos? He's one of the German soldiers. <laughs> we love this. It's so fun. Let's just shoot guns <laughs> in the air, dude. He's a dude. Literally, Brian Thompson. Brian Thompson. He's literally in three of my favorite movies. I of think all time. he's. The, I he think he play, falls in the category for plays, me. It's like, oh, that guy. He plays so the Night Stalker. I know. That's why, that's why I'm like, I recognize this dude, but I don't know what I recognize I think, him I think in. most would probably get him from Cobra. That was kind of his biggest showcase as a villain. I mean, he was the main bad guy in, in, in I Cobra. I mean, if later on in this movie, he is literally doing what his character did in Cobra. I had to stop it. Like, are you serious? I gotta go back and watch Cobra. I wanted him to... I mean, if he had put the face on while he was sharpening his knife. I I was just like, oh my god. Wasn't an axe in Cobra, though? Well, no, they were... The guys were doing axes. And he was sharpening his knife. He had that that funky uh, Gil Hibbins knife. But he had that face. If he was doing that while he... I was just like, come on. There's the scene. I I missed that, actually, that reference when he's sharpening his knife. If he had had talked to anyone, if he had talked to the... If he had talked to Browder's character, like, whatever, pig. Like... I was just gonna like roll over. Just no, I'm done with this movie. Yeah, dude, I, he's he's one of those dudes. Oh, and showing up late and very overdressed is the sexy blonde star of the show, TV reporter Bridget Powers. She's pretty. Yes, sir. Really pretty. Once they chopper their way up to the mountain, the group is joined by Paxton's assistant Danny and their guide Barnes. Sweet raisins. You're getting sweet raisins? That's two sweet weeks raisins, in a row, man. You, you got sweet raisins on the War Bear last time. Yeah, and I'm getting sweet raisins on the Sober Mesa. Brulee. Final third, a new flavor uh, shows itself? Uh, on the Retro Hail, sweet raisins. On the Retro Hail, sweet on raisins. On the Retro Hail, sweet so raisins. So it went from pepper to cinnamon, back to pepper, and now sweet raisins. Sweet raisins. I hope that wasn't influenced by the beer, though. There's no raisins in that beer. No, but I'm no, eating tropical fruit coming off of that. You got the sweetness in both. Uh, I'm still. It went from uh, for me the pepper to the cinnamon. Now it's it's it, dude. The pepper's actually picked up quite a yeah. bit in the nose for me. <coughs> pepper's still there, which I love. I love transitions. I love this goes away, this comes in, this comes back. Like man, that goes a long way with me. And like I like a roller coaster ride of a cigar. Uh, and this is. Flavor-wise, both on the palate and the retrohale, it's knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, they're up in the mountain now. They take a chopper up there. Uh, flown by this, this uh, guy named Jonesy with his dog, Ike, bulldog. And the group is joined immediately by Paxton's assistant, Danny, and their guide, Barnes, the missing Barnes. father. Uh, Danny immediately whispers in Paxton's ear, "Everything's good to go." Then I'm like, so in my mind, I'm like, okay, he's been up here laying fake Bigfoot traps. It's a setup. Tra- it's yeah. a setup. I, 
maybe that's the director toying with me. Yeah. Or maybe that's just horrible screenwriting. Like, no, that's what I picked up. Whatever. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, well, Bridget Powers takes a big swig from her pink diamond-encrusted flask, and they all head out. And for a substantial hike, it's a good 10-mile hike from the helicopter to where they're going. It's pretty no way she's intense doing little trek. They're all carrying what looked like school backpacks. She's wearing heels and a purse. For a 10-mile hike, that ain't happening. Yeah, no. But they have nothing. They have no gear, no nothing. We learned, boys, in our last uh, episode, preparation is key to surviving these excursions. Am I correct? Well, they're going to a base camp, but a 10-mile hike is probably going to take them... Five with her and heels, six hours, maybe yeah. seven. And they well, have I'm nothing. gonna wonder at the base camp when it's like, well, how'd y'all get all this stuff here? Oh, we just flew the helicopter right over. And here. literally, Dr. Ellen, it's a week long adventure. She's got my little girl's school backpack on, <laughs> like what two changes of clothes and toiletries. Well, my, well, my other question here is like, you know, because like you said, you, they have nothing, and then you get to camp. Well, well, no, the, the two guys have gone ahead. They've this, established well, I understand that, like, two way. guys, but two guys. <laughs> okay. But how did you get here? Oh, we took the Jeep. My thought was preparation. ATV. My thought was preparation is key, and the, these fuckers aren't prepared at all. You know who's always prepared for any situation, Tut? Who is? That's right. Dirty Fabian of Drew Estate. That guy always has just the right cigar in his shirt pocket for all occasions. And just the right shirt for all occasions. That's true, too. And when it's coffee time, you know damn well what he's pulling out. That sounded weird. Uh, <laughs> what is Dirty Fabian pulling out? Of course, Todd, he's pulling out tobacco special cigars oh. made by the almighty Drew Estate. The same folks who brought you Liga Pravada, Undercrown, Nika Rustica, and more. Your choice of either extra dark... Should I do this in the Barbeau voice? And Ooh, yes, yeah. please. Your choice of either extra dark Connecticut broadleaf or natural Connecticut shade wrappers. Oh, yeah, they envelope. Envelope? Envelope. There we go, baby. A Sumatra binder and Nicaraguan Criollo filler leaves. Before aging, the cigars are slowly infused with Nicaraguan estate-grown coffee. And then poured over my luscious mature bread. No, sorry. <laughs> uh, the smoke is medium to full body, depending on the wrapper. Its rich tobacco flavors co-mingling with the unmistakable aroma of coffee and a little bit of sweetness, boys. I'm a fan, and you will be too. Seek them out. Oh yes, seek them out. I'm just saying, if you get the tobacco Barbeau wrapper, you know that's full body time. Even at 70 years old, it's full body, baby. <laughs> uh, well, the crew stops to film a bit in a wide open field on their way to the campsite, where Bridget Powers interviews, quote unquote, an unmiked Dr. Moore about his prior encounter with the Sasquatch. He tells this whole story about how he found one as a young man, got his degrees, been following him ever since. And they move along. All right, that's good. Let's keep going. They spent ten grand on a monkey doctor and didn't hire a sound guy. There's no microphones. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure that he's got lobs nope. on and yeah, 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 yeah. They're, you hi- just, they're hidden. They're hidden. Cody, you should respect this as a boom operator. There had to be a boom guy. No, 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 no. no. You lobbed everyone. It's all hidden. It's 
That didn't bother you at all? What what bothered me is how little this guy was shooting. It was literally like Um, uh, his camera was down the entire time. An easily $50,000, $100,000 production, no sound guy. We do a fucking three hundred dollars short film. There would be Sound even guy. no, even if even if it's like an HGTV where they're like like off on weird locations, they go they find a, a local film crew that's somewhere in the area. They'll get a camera guy and they'll get a sound guy, and there's there's definitely a pair that walks through there. I I'm gonna let it go because it bothered me this whole movie. There's no sound guy. <laughs> it's a reality show. There should be. Oh, sound. there's a sound guy. He's in there. TV is a <laughs> visual and audio experience. You got to hear what these fuckers are saying. Yeah, but that's you as a film guy. Most other people, most most you're people, right. most you're people right. don't. Joe Schmo watching this, like, oh, the guy's a camera. It does everything. Yeah. Okay. When yeah, the, but you gotta when put, the cameraman points but you gotta it at, at least people. put the little <laughs> the people doesn't do it all. If you at least show the camera with like a microphone, yeah, exactly. <laughs> at least just like a little boom. Yes, that would have <laughs> a long ass microphone on the camera. I would have been okay with. Um, production wise, I don't respect their I respect their choice of shooters. It was a nice little run and gun camera. I'm going to say something nice here. Production-wise, as far as the actual movie is concerned, it's worth noting that after the disappointing opening scene, the cinematography has thankfully settled down ever since. Mainly here we have very disciplined, smooth, traditional camera shots. And I was worried after that opening scene. It's it's shot much more... I'm hoping that was the Carpenter influence that he was trying to do. Let's not go that far. As they hike along, Bridget Powers complains she can't post Instagram updates. I was told there would be service out here. I actually think that's probably a reasonable like that happens probably when these reporters go. That's her trademark, you know. That's most her of, livelihood. Yeah, most of these that's probably a big thing for her, and she, it's a legitimate gripe probably. No, I, I'm totally on board with that actually. Eventually, they came to the they come to the campsite that Danny, the assistant, has set up. Some tents, some equipment, a campfire. Yes, but these aren't little tents. No, they're big. They're like giant. Do you realize what that would take to haul? <laughs> it's like a barn smoker event up in the woods here. I mean, I looked at that. I was like, wait a second. Because I was like, all right. I, I set us up a tent, you know. up. <laughs> you set up a freaking fairground, man. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, it's, you know, it's an impressive uh, campsite. And it's all set up just a few footsteps away from the campfire. Where that's the what, ma- they, that's where what the they paid that guy $2,700 for. Yeah. Barnes. He did all that. And it's all set up right next to the camp, the little campfire where the mountaineering massacre happened. Yeah, I'm sure the dad liked that. I'm sure oh, that was a nice yeah. touch. He had to look at that every day while he's setting all this shit up. Uh, Dr. Moore immediately starts baiting a trap for the Sasquatch. Using only natural items, as wildlife tends to sense man-made materials. So no cords, no, it's all ropes and things like that. What was this, like a dragon fruit that he had hanging from he, a tree? He hangs a dragon fruit from this rope, and he puts a tracking device in it, and then he sprays some pheromones on it to entice the creature. Because we have Bigfoot pheromones? <sighs> what kind of pheromones are they? Bed, bath, and beyond, you can get them. <sighs> Big, Bigfoot pheromones. Uh, some Sasquatch pheromones. Some Sasquatch pheromones. He explains all these steps to the cameraman, what he's doing with the fruit, with the tracking device, and all that. And Justin, who should be filming this shit because that's what he's there that's for. That's what he's there for. He's just standing there with his camera, just watching it. 
Exactly. Every once in a while, I'd be like, oh, yeah. But, dude, he gives this huge... The only time he points the camera up is when the uh, Stargate guys, like, point the camera up. He need Like, dude, this guy goes in this whole thing about what he's doing and all this shit, and the camera guy's just like, cool. Once nightfall arrives, Dr. Moore starts playing recorded animal sounds through strategically positioned speakers to try and draw the Sasquatch out of hiding. Dr. Ellen seems vaguely interested, but when Justin puts the camera on her, she freezes up. She's out of her element. She's not comfortable on camera. Uh, Bridget Powers, who is comfortable on camera, TV reporter, has emptied her flask... So now she's bored and power drinking straight from the vodka bottle. TNCC style. TNCC style. First of all, if a home dude, you know, was worth his salt, he would have mastered the art of putting the camera down, looking off into a different direction, but having the camera pointed down. We call that the Rick Ross approach. (laughs) In Vegas, when we we were told to film Rick Ross, but don't film him. That's all. (laughs) <laughs> that was hustling. Uh, I guess that's why she brought that big ass purse. Because I was like, why the hell would she need that huge purse? She'd fill vodka, TNCC style. <laughs> well, I was really, you know, out of all the other references, I was waiting for like that space ball reference where they're hauling this giant suitcase. <laughs> and they just opened it up. It's nothing but bottles of vodka. It's like and we told you to bring only what was essential. It's completely essential. <laughs> Well, she's passed out Giant by... Giant novelty bottle, like... Oh. Unlike TNCC, she's passed out at the campfire within minutes. Like she, for, for a seemingly alcoholic, she, she's a low-functioning she, alcoholic. She is, she is. Well, uh, I mean, we didn't actually see how many bottles. We only saw true. the one that's bottle. True, that's true. This place is lame four bottles later. I'm, I'm going to go with... You know what? She's not lightweight. She's, she's Plus, a pro. She's a pro. You know she's not just drinking. Movie editing. We you know what? I skipped all meals today. I want to be out of here sooner. <laughs> Paxton is visibly frustrated. I love this. Paxton, the producer, is visibly frustrated by the lack of anything interesting going on. So his assistant, Danny, suggests that we should try something else. It's the first night they just got there. Well, I know no one has ever found a Bigfoot in hundreds of years of trying. <laughs> But we've been out here almost six hours already. We should... What the hell did you expect? Well, he figured if he brought his filmmaking powers, he would do it. He would find it. Within the first few hours? No, I mean, come on. I mean, you, you have to, like, blow off some expectations here because every Everyone and their mama has been looking for Bigfoot forever. I can't believe we haven't found him yet. We literally just sat down for dinner on our first night. I'm just saying. Dr. Moore heads into the woods to check on his traps and trail cameras, a.k.a. smoke a doobie. I do have to... I I have to pause because it's going to come up later in the movie. Uh, Doctor does another little ghost story where he talks... Or the cryptologist talks about Bigfoot and the red glowing eyes. And if you've seen those red glowing eyes, it's too late. <laughs> he does say that, and that will come into play later. Uh, but he's just trying to scare him, but it, he's not an actor, and it didn't have any kind of resonance no. with me as a viewer. Kind of like everybody in this movie. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he goes out in the woods to check his traps, but it's really just smoke, smoke a joint. 
and he's quickly assaulted by something that jumps out of the darkness. We don't see what it is. Yeah. Uh, the next morning, Paxton and Danny are very intrigued by the trail camera footage of a kind of hairy arm or something. To me, I'm watching it. It didn't look like anything. It didn't look like no. anything. I didn't see hair. I didn't see an arm. I didn't see anything. What they were so fascinating. Hey, I'm no cryptozoologist. I thought it was like maybe a shoulder. I, I it looked like tell. a tree branch. Yeah. Hey, I even rewound it. Like, what am I missing here? <laughs> I took I, I took biology in college. There's nothing. I couldn't see anything. Again. I'm not trained in this field yet. Uh, I'm they, pretty sure you could easily be. And they oh, well, if I went back to Sam Houston, <laughs> and they only seem slightly annoyed by the fact that Doctor Moore has completely disappeared. He's gone. No one's seen actually. Him. They're not annoyed at all. No, they're annoyed that he's not there for their show, but they're not concerned at all that he's disappeared. In fact, the only one concerned about the missing nerd is fellow science face Doctor Ellen. Who goes off looking for him, and she manages to talk cameraman Justin and the guide Barnes to tag along. They quickly find Dr. Moore's hat in a thing of mud. Barnes says there's clear signs of a struggle here, by the way. The hat's laying there. Really? Yeah, he's a good guy. He can, he can tell stuff like that. If okay. the hat Look at the way the brim of the hat is bent. There was a struggle. Sorry, Major. There's. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. There's also a trail of human blood leading away. I guess that's what tipped him off. So they follow the trail of blood into a nearby abandoned mine shaft. Not so deep into the shaft, that's what she said, they find bloody intestines hanging from the ceiling like sausages in a butcher shop. I'm out. Dr. Ellen also finds a large stack of discarded huge animal bones. I'm out. This predator is eating predators. Justin radios base camp with their findings, and Paxton logically asks him, Are you filming all this stuff? Oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> Gets out his camera. Not to mention the fact they're going to this mine shaft until darkness. He has a huge light on his camera. He's like, Yeah, I can turn this on. We can see everything. <laughs> this guy's we can't see anything. Oh, wait. I forgot about this. <laughs> he hadn't been filming anything. What a find. What a, like a discovery. And like, this guy's worth it. Their initial reactions of her seeing those bones. And I like, don't think it was. The, I don't think just, it was the doctor that was smoking the doobie. I think it was the cameraman. I think Justin. I'm was, just uh, saying, this is your show. You don't have to film another thing. If your camera guy, you know, turns his camera on, you've got bloody intestines hanging from a ceiling. A missing cryptozo. Uh, crypt- Zoologist. All you have Easy to do, for you to say. All you have to do is head back to the helicopter, call the local authorities, say, uh, yeah, somebody's missing up here. By the way, we found a whole bunch of intestines here. Oh, yeah, and, you know, we think Bigfoot's if here. If Justin had done his job, they have some juicy material here. As That's it, your show. As it stands, he they have nothing because he hasn't filmed <laughs> shit. If he has been filming, he's been filming the ground. <laughs> they race back to camp where Paxton divides them into two teams to head out and see what they can find. Well, he stays put drinking herbal tea and popping pills back at the campsite. He's a TNCC pill popper. A pill <laughs> you guys, here's what you're doing. I want you guys to go out there and look for Bigfoot. You guys look out there. He's probably very angry and hungry. Put my tea bag in my tin here. Oh, we're not drinking tea. Yeah. It's time to take some vitamins. Yeah, he likes tea? It's time to take some vitamins. The doctor drinks tea. No. Yeah. I don't need to hear that. Security man Singer tries to offer Barnes a can of bear spray, but he unwisely declines. That shit don't work. That's two movies in a row we've done where somebody very foolishly declines the bear spray. And he's supposed to be a man of the woods. Yeah, he's a tracker. Yeah, he's, a, he's their 
hired guide, twenty five hundred bucks. All right, first of all, what's the what's the security guy's name again? Singer. All right, got some beef with Singer. You're going into the woods. Can you ditch the desert camo pattern? I mean, <laughs> you're fucking marine. I mean, get some fucking all woodland right. camo. I almost just ruined my cigar by spitting beer all over it. That's a really good point. It, you're in the Colorado wilderness, and you're wearing, still wearing your Desert Storm gear. Just Which seems, he, I think he said, uh, Desert Storm. That's just, I, would, I would expect him... I would, I would have been more... I looked more appropriate dove hunting the other day, and I don't even shoot a gun. <laughs> than this, this seasoned commando look. I was expecting him just to like, roll out of the brush in a ghillie suit. Like, I've been here the whole time. Even those cheesy <laughs> shades he wore had like, desert camo on the sides. Yeah. This is really one of those, like, all right, so I'm sure even probably the actor himself was like, I'm wearing desert camouflage, but I'm in the forest. Oh, no, fuck it, I'm getting paid. Oh, no, I put this all in the director. <laughs> yeah. I'm picturing the director of this actual movie much like Paxton, the director of this Bigfoot documentary. Shouldn't I be wearing, like... He's drinking tea. Shouldn't I be, like, re- be wearing, like, green camo? Look, I can't afford green camo. Desert camo we'll is cheaper. We'll see you on <laughs> What would John Carpenter do? I don't know. Give a shit. Maybe if he pay attention to details, just buy him like some green, green <laughs> Show pants up and a shirt. And make something special, dude. Go to the that's Ar- crazy. Go to the Army Navy surplus. Get some fucking '80s woodland print, and there you go. I hadn't thought about that, Todd. That's a very salient point. <laughs> you asked that. Use the word salient. Correctly. You did indeed. It's dark now. Danny's team, consisting of himself, Doctor Ellen, and Barnes, come across a bunch of broken tree branches. Purposely woven across the trail, blocking their path. I don't think a raccoon could have done that. No. Chipmunks? Maybe. Possibly. Maybe. <laughs> it's the chipmunks from Grizzly. It's very well constructed. All of a sudden, Alex shows up. It's fucking acorns and a chipmunk. <laughs> he shows he's all wounded. <laughs> chipmunks. <laughs> uh, that will make any sense unless you've watched our previous episode. But they blame everything on acorns and chipmunks and raccoons and... Uh, meanwhile, Singer and Justin are standing around waiting for Bridget Powers to finish her cigarette. Tut style. Can we go, please? Just a minute. <laughs> when the big guys, Singer's infrared camera picks up some activity nearby. Over there, past those trees, I see you. Come on, I get it. So guess what? Our director likes John Carpenter and Predator. Uh-huh. I like those things. It is... I get There's it. Too many references, but that, they're not. That's the one thing. Uh, uh, at this point, they're just becoming random references. I, I, I can't believe I'm getting agitated at Predator and John Carpenter references. I'm I getting, know. Like, pissed off that's, about that's, it. That's how weird it is because I, I was like, uh, I actually texted you like when I first started. I was like, oh, there's a lot of quote oh, nods in here. I see why you picked this. This is really. Yeah, there's a lot of quote nods in here. It's kind of fun. Se- wait, and then wait. all of a sudden, like you know, 20, 30 minutes later, I'm like. Dude, all right, I get it. Come on, man. Are we becoming like those cigar trolls? (laughs) (laughs) Is this what's happening to us now? What have we become? (laughs) No. Oh, you like oh you like horror movies. You like the wrong horror movies. (laughs) You don't know what you're talking about. Look, man, it's cute. You like Carpenter? I get it. Can we move this along? We don't have to have quotes every time with a big freaking neon sign. 
Remember in Predator when he did? I'm gonna make this guy say that. That's what it is, and it's so obvious, and it's so like you hear the director saying that, dude. As you watch, there it. needs to be Chirons on the on the deal saying Predator. Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you hear what he say? Uh, How did this guy well, get, get this. the budget that he got with <laughs> oh, such dude, when you bad wa- dialogue? When you watch when you watch the the featurette of the Megan movie, you know Barbeau is. She's a sweetheart. She's like, I just, I read this. Alan Howard, the composer, sent her the script and was like, I think you would really like, this is worth doing. It's a good project. You know, it's a really smart script. She doesn't know Predator. She doesn't know all these references. She probably doesn't even know half the Carpenter references. So it it makes sense, you know, like, oh, okay, whatever. But anybody who knows anything is really like, oh my God, this is paint by numbers. This is karaoke. This isn't filmmaking. This is fucking karaoke. You're just and, copying shit. And it's off key. And it's Kentucky Hotel Bar Karaoke, which hey, in two weeks we get to experience again. <laughs> I guarantee you, those that, people are going to be two, there. Uh, three weeks, man. Okay. And I swear to God, if we don't get eight shots of Jameson my, for the price of one, my best memory of 2018 was in that karaoke bar in Kentucky. <laughs> We're going back, baby. Good. I'm singing. The door is back door, man. All right. I'm going to need another eight (laughs) shots for $1. Got your freaking beans. Everybody's like, all right, this is it. (laughs) The hotel closes down. We're done. No more karaoke. This guy ruined everything. TNCC style. We came, we saw, we ruined everybody's night. (laughs) Stay fresh, cheese bags. We're out. (laughs) Uh, Well, get this. So he sees something... Pass those trees. But whatever's I out there, you. it's tipped off by Bridget's constant complaining and it vanishes into sight. She can't stop bitching about everything. And it hears her and it runs off. Uh, t- you're in the... You're almost done. Well, I was waiting for... You know, I was waiting for Tom scared to like, you're ghosting us. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you're ghosting us, motherfucker. Or all of a sudden he's punching Keith David in a big wrestling match in the woods, <laughs> trying to get him to wear some sunglasses. That wouldn't have been crazy in this movie. Trying to get him to wear the nightshades. Wear those the night, night wear goggles. Wear the goggles. I won't do it. Wear <laughs> If he had wasted eight minutes of film on them fighting and rolling around in the foil. Breaking branches over their backs. <laughs> Why not? Picking them up, breaking them against trees. All of a sudden, there's a big pile of trash bags there. You body slamming. Hey, man, I get it. We all love Carpenter, but I'm not. I'm not going to put on your tactical headgear. Put it on. There's paying tribute. There's homage, and there's just getting on your knees and just. No one's going to understand this. Well, How the, I made a film with a giant trust fund. In the vein of... Uh, I'm only maybe, assuming. In the, in the vein of paying tribute, yes, I love the cigar. Uh, the final thirds is is nice. I, I think the sweet raisins was actually like a weird combination of the beer. Because I haven't really gotten it you know, too much. I never got the sweet raisins. Uh, good lord, it's tasty. It is an any time of day cigar, too. Uh, oh my god, in the morning with coffee on this? <laughs> Obviously that, yes, which is 
the traditional Connecticut time of day. In the morning with a Baltic porter on this? Or in the evening with a Baltic porter on in this? In the morning. Alco- oh, no. That Al- one, this looks right out. <laughs> That's all truth right there. Church alcoholism <laughs> reveals itself. In the morning with a Baltic porter <laughs> on my back deck. 8 a.m. and I'm ready to get going. Just a little something to kickstart the day. Hey. He gained a little respect for me just now. Let me get my buck powers on in the morning just to start the <laughs> buck day. Buck flowers. Just although buck powers <laughs> is a really cool name too. You know what really helps me in the morning? Hair of the dog. <laughs> it is wonderful. I mean, it is it is a just delicious cigar, and the flavor hasn't laxed up. I mean, it has just been constant I, present. I love the transitions between. On the retro hell between, you know, pepper, cinnamon, uh, it just goes back and forth. There's an ebb and a flow to it. The creaminess, the butter, the cedar, the woodsiness. I mean, it's what really- I've What I've really appreciated that is that it's all within a mild cigar. This is not picked up in the medium. This is not... Yeah. This is not... If you're looking for a nicotine, a nicotine fix or you're looking for a heavy set cigar, this is not it. But yet, it's got a mild presence, but it is chock full of flavor. I have, I don't, I can't think of a Connecticut cigar that has been this flavorful and this mild. Yeah, I can't think of it. Um, it's wonderful. Fucking home run. You guys want to talk price point? Oh man. Well. I'm gonna go. Go you first. I don't know, man. There's so much complexity. It's, it always throws me off. Eleven. I wish. I was about to say I'd I wanna... smoke these all fucking day for eleven. Okay, eleven bucks. All, right, all right, because it's Saka, uh, and I kind of understand this price pointing. I want to go fifteen, maybe fifteen five. Well, I knew I was wrong the minute he started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually going to I go. I laughed Billy Predator style because <laughs> I like that movie. <laughs> uh, if you I'll, say thirteen five, I'm going to laugh because that's that was actually my original, and then I adjusted it when you laughed at Cody. Thirteen four five. $13.45. Great price point. That is, that is absolutely spot on price point. Well, that's not horrible. For this, Why for is 11 cigar? bad when it's only like 13 <laughs> Two bucks more? <laughs> uh, no, it's... It, hey. I said, Jesus, 13.5. Jesus, 13.5. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. If you got two bucks to burn... Which Wait, he said fifteen. That's like two dollars the <laughs> other way. <laughs> That's true. You guys are both way off. I would have said thirteen. <laughs> we had far bigger discrepancies. <laughs> well, it's I, nine dollars. It's twenty seven. I, I let Cade. There's pers- no laughter. I, I let Cade swayed me when he was laughing at your eleven because I was de- I was all over thirteen five. Wasn't the original Sober Mason like thirteen five? Uh, we did the the. Was it the Americano, the Toro, I think is the Americano? Don't shit on me, internet assholes, if I'm wrong on that. Drink, no, they're going I'm drinking to. here. 
Not to mention the fact that we got started late, so I had some whiskey. Uh, Crumb laughs at your I think it was the Americano, it was Toro, and I, I want to say it was yeah around there. Yeah. I don't know what it is now. That was a couple years ago. Um, hey, a, lot, a lot of Saka's Steve's stuff. Very a lot honest of Saka's Steve, Steve's honest about the price point. They cost what they cost with production and whatnot. Um, a lot of Saka's stuff's around that 11 to 13.5 mm-hmm. mark. Hey man, you get what you pay for. Yeah, you do. And to your point, if I, dude, there's been a lot. If of I picked one of these up and they were like, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get me an eleven dollar cigar. And I'm like, oh, I love that cigar. It's thirteen. Forget it, dude. There's been a lot it's of cigars. There have been a lot of cigars that have been in like eleven plus, and especially in that thirteen mark that we've been kind of like, yeah, I don't really know about this. No, no, no. This absolutely is worth it. Yeah, you know what? I keep getting surprised by Sokka when we first had him on the show, when he first uh, came out with Dunbarton. All I want to know was, when's your Broadleaf? When's your heavy? Because Super Mesa was so not that. Right. When are you coming out with your next League of Pravada? When are you coming out? That's all I was interested in. And I'm just fascinated by the fact that I everything I like from him is not that. Everything I like from him is... The mediums, the, the the Super Mesa, and you know the exclusive, the exclusivo, the yeah. the first Maestro de Saka was really good. I love the Naka Tamale. It's probably my favorite thing he's done. But man, this is great, great. I, I will say that there's only there's only one other Connecticut that I actually buy, and that's the Rose of Sharon. And this edges it, in in, in convincing style. Uh, yeah. I love this. This has made me fall in love with Connecticut. It really has. I I'm not a Connecticut smoker. I've always been kind of. No, you've always gravitated towards the darker side of things. Yeah, I've always been kind of you know uh-huh, with with Connecticut. I really like the rose, but this has just been like holy crap! If this is what a traditional Connecticut is. Well, I see to why you like, like the rose because it did have some elements there that would appeal to you as a non-Connecticut smoker. As a, as a Cody, you're our resident traditional Connecticut. That's where you started in the culture. I mean, are you where are you at on this? Are you I need to get a box. Are you oh, absolutely! A, yeah, I will get a box of this. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say he he he's hit a home run on this. Absolutely, the because I mean the transitions alone. Just just the, we've the, had a lot of cigars lately that it's like it's really good cigar and it tastes great, but it was pretty monotonous the whole way through. The retro hell and the draw had complexity. And not only I that, mean, it maintained a flavor presence the entire cigar. It's got an identity. There wasn't warm up. There wasn't a you know we we need to get it going before the flavor really kicks in. It was just present the entire time, and it was great flavor. The construction entire time. is. I'll just go ahead and say that this is my favorite cigar of the year uh, so far. I mean, we've still got some shows to go, but good God, I mean. But it's new, Tut. You can't say that about a new cigar. You so you media people always say the newest thing is the bestest thing. No, I can't. I smoke a lot of the stuff. I I re-smoke a lot of the stuff that we smoke. I mean, from or the a lot of the smokes that we've reviewed. I mean, I still go back to you know cigars that we've done for three or four years, and I love those cigars. That that, that wasn't me 
I wasn't attacking. I was. Those I, are the cigar <laughs> trolls. You son of a. I was acting. I was. Oh, okay. I was giving you the. Uh, yeah. All right. I agree. It's damn good. It really is. And I could honestly, I, I stick by my statement. This isn't any time of day cigar for me. I could drink it with scotch. I could drink it at night. I, like Tud, I could drink it with a porter at 8 a.m. <laughs> I could drink it with a sandwich at lunch. <laughs> uh, this is just a really fucking great cigar. Just any time that you want to have a delicious cigar, it's, it's good for everything. It's so good. I had. A, I think I might like this. I'm gonna go tut here, big superfluous, superfluous, superfluous comments. I might like this better than any Silver Mesa I've had so far. Oh, it's definitely hands down the best Silver Mesa I've had. And we ranked all those one, two, three. I love the Silver Mesa, but this thing is fucking great. God, it It, it was. This would be so much easier if it wasn't great. Yeah. It'd make our jobs a lot easier. Like, you know what, Steve? You swung for the fences. I get what you tried to do, but... What's funny is last night... Uh, man, I, I've, uh, my schooling has been interesting. Uh, when I've gotten into the math courses, it's been... It's the first math course I've had in 27 years. So I'm having to try to just cram, you know, years worth of algebra into my head within like a couple of weeks. Right. And I'm competing against 18-year-olds fresh out of college who are, you know, they've been used to this stuff. So I'm having to hit the books left and right. And I was so frustrated last night. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to pause. I created a bunch of flashcards. I went up to Smoker's Abbey. I was like, I'm going to have a beer. I'm going to have a cigar. Smoker's Abbey in Cedar Park. In Cedar Park. Texas. Great, and, uh, great lounge. They had a... Uh, I, a, a cigar caught my eye. It was the uh, Oscar uh, Superfly. Oscar Baidera's Superfly. Big, big six, boy. Six, six by, by 60, 60. Which you're not a fan of big ring cigars. I am not cigars. a fan of big ring cigars. And this was rustic, dark. I mean, it looked like it was going to just slap you in the face. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm going to try this cigar. And it was a great cigar. It was really good. It was light. It wasn't as heavy as you think it was going to be. But it was flavor all the way through. I loved it. And then I get to this little Connecticut bad boy, and it just, man, it beats all over in, the, in terms of flavor profile all the way through it. I was just, I'm sorry, I love this cigar. It is great. Yeah. Me too. I'm not arguing with you. Mm. I want more of them now. I got my secondary cigar sitting over here, and I'm just like, this is going to suck. <laughs> anyone else getting caramel? You got a little caramel? In I'm getting caramel. I did not the final caramel. third, you got some caramel. I'm getting caramel. Oh, jeez. I did not. I'm jealous now. That Can I... Like, literally, Do you this, have another one over there? I want to try the, I, get I, this I don't caramel. The last sorry. three puffs off this thing are, like, candy at this I, point. I tend to buy us fibers when I buy cigars for the show. Oh, all you folk... Fuckers out there, they're like, you know, everybody sends you cigars and then they cut you a check to give them a good thing. Number one, we don't get sent cigars. Number two, we don't well, we get sent. Oh no, some. no, we we do get sent some. We didn't get sent these, and we sure as fuck don't get a check <laughs> to give any kind of rating. Uh, so, f- you know, think before you speak. But Steve, uh, if you could make the check out to Ron, Jason, Tuttle, but. 
I tend to buy as five packs because that's how they're sold other than singles. I hold on to those till the end of the year because when we do our top ten list, I like. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to revisit this cigar. I like to have samples ready so we can lay them on the table. I forget what that. You know, I want to revisit that one. I'm I, I yeah. I'm gonna need to revisit this. It's 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 a fun process revisiting the best of the best. <laughs> Of course, we'll all be fighting over these. Maybe I'll smoke those. Maybe those will go missing in the Maybe year. we'll film an eight-minute uh, fight scene where uh, so, smoke the Mesa. Last year, Steve's uh, big release was the Sin Compromiso, oh, which I think was like our number four or five. It, it, it was it, good. It was a really good cigar that we did last year. Um, this is just, better. Just Yeah, just trying to remember. This is better than a Sin Compromiso. Yeah. Honestly, it's more complex. I mean, it's more um, agreeable to any pairing, any time. From of the just the the sweetness from the cold draw. One, it's my favorite one that he's done. Yeah, I mean, the cream on the aroma. I can't believe I'm saying that about a Connecticut. Right now, I mean, I literally have less than a third, and I'm getting caramel. I'm done. I'm done. I'm no, out. God. <laughs> Who Let knows? me have that. Let me have that. <laughs> Who knows what's in the last little bit of that? I'm, I, I gotta leave now. I can't. Can I smoke it? No. No. I'll suck your dick for that <laughs> brulee. That is not a carpenter. No, that's not carpenter at all. No carpenter character would ever suck a dick for a cigar. TNCC style? A They Live wrestling montage of me and Cody fighting for that last little bit of the cigar. We say that, but you know, Carpenter's like, I just made this film. There's going to be someone suck your dick. No. No carpenter. How would you ever equate my filmmaking? I've worked my ass off for 50 years in this industry. How the hell are you going to equate with sucking a dick for a second? You guys, I don't want anything to do with you. Actually, he's like, well, if you cut me a check, sure, I'll put it And then I'm like... Be one of those things where we're gonna look then over. Barbo's like, it's oh, Carpenter come off. On, John, they're just good kids. They're just doing their just best. Just Carpenter off, looking over, shit and shaking his head at us. All right, well, let's get back to the movie. Let me know if you get anything other than caramel, bastard. Look at Tut sadly pulling out his follow-up cigar. Weak. When both teams arrive back at base camp, Paxton puts down his green tea long enough to examine the infrared camera footage. Little tea bag. He's always got it going in his tea. There seems to be a large figure walking upright among the trees on the infrared footage. You're gonna need a bigger banana, Aww. Justin Quips. Oh, the guy likes Jaws too. Oh, do you think the Paxton was a Bill reference? Maybe. Probably. So obviously, at this point, we know the director is paying some homage to John Carpenter. With very specific pieces of dialogue, the casting of Carpenter's ex-wife, bringing in Alan Howarth to do the score, and as the world's most devout Carpenter fan, I'm okay with most of this. Well, the dialogue references are pretty fucking bad, and most seem completely unnatural where they're used. But I love me some Barbo, and I love me some Howarth, so I'm going along. No, no complaints there. But, and it's a big ass but, boys. John Carpenter is the master of assembling a a memorable team on film, and this movie's team stinks. You never spend enough time with any of them to get to know them beyond a surface level, which is crucial. 
unless you have wonderful actors, which Hoax does not. I think I like Dr. Ellen just fine, but I don't care about her character. I think that's, that's... Why is she getting divorced? Who the fuck knows? Because that plot point's never brought up again. What exactly did Mr. Singer do in the Marines that made him this way? Beats me. We never learn. Think of the ensemble and the thing. Yeah. Those Arctic guys. Think of Prince of Darkness, the scientist assembled to tackle that task. Carpenter was the king of assembling crew teams. Yeah. This movie is about assembling a team, and it's also about paying tribute to Carpenter, and you fucking failed. Big time. I was about to say, I, I, I don't think that we can put that on the actors here, because they weren't given... The script is shit. Yeah, they weren't given the meat the to sc- go into The script it. is total shit. It... It basically is just. I think a Tuttle liked the script machine. when we started, and I think maybe we're turning as. No. It, it, it's it's just a. Nobody here has any unique character traits making them memorable to us. Nobody has any personality. They all dress pretty much the same. A lot more time should have been spent on writing these characters in depth and getting us involved in them, and then. The next step is casting them correctly. As far as I'm concerned, this is a straight-to-video offering. I didn't see this in the theater, so that's where my bar is. There was a lot of minute characters in the thing, in that crew of Arctic scientists, that we didn't have backstory on, but the actors were so fucking great that we didn't need it. This movie doesn't have that. So you should have either really got interesting actors to make up for your script's shortcomings... Or really went back and rewrote and rewrote and rewrote and made some really interesting characters on the on the page, and then directed them because that's your fucking job into bringing out some interesting performances. You didn't write a good script. You didn't direct your actors correctly. You didn't cast your actors directly, and that's why it's a failure. Well, well I can agree with that. Sorry. I mean, I can agree with that. He he got some talent, but he did not utilize it. He got maybe a talent. I'm just saying that Nick Jonas shouldn't be on that cover of Cigar Aficionado. Fuck that dude, and it's a shame. We've become the cigar trolls. Unlike those fuckers trolling Cigar Aficionado who've never done shit, I've made movies. And I know you can make movies with no experienced actors and direct the shit out of them to where they're believable and they're good. That is true. And I also know... How dare you cast name actors like Brian jo- Brian Johnson, Brian Thompson, Brian Thompson, and not take advantage of the fact? Oh God, I am blessed with this gift to have this guy in my movie, a legendary guy from Cobra, from Terminator, from, and I'm gonna not give him anything to work. Yeah, hey, I was about to say he really didn't give him. You didn't give him shit. Dick. Except and some he, Predator reference, and you dressed him in desert camo. Come on, <laughs> come on. He, for God's sakes, he played the Buffalo Bill character in Joe Dirt. He wasn't Joe Dirt. <laughs> he wasn't Joe Dirt. <laughs> That's all right. Well, they then hear some sticks <laughs> clanging together off in the woods, so Paxton orders everyone to earn their paychecks and go investigate. They should have shown some Bigfoot hands clicking the sticks. Clink, clink. Clink, clink. No, Cobra we just style. hear the stick. <laughs> uh, no. He says, go out there and earn your paychecks and investigate. Why put my teapot back on the stove? God, this man drinks so much tea. It's going to be a long night. I need my tea. 
In a matter of minutes, Bridget Powers is attacked by growling something. Maybe a Bigfoot, we don't see it. And when the rest of the team finds her, she's suffering a bad compound fracture in her leg, which Dr. Ellen quickly snaps back into place. A screaming Bridget passes out from the pain, which is what the chick from our last movie probably should have done when she had that compound fracture in the water. You pass out from that much... No, she... Anyway... When uh, she passes out, when Danny radios base camp to tell Paxton, he doesn't respond. Hmm. Base camp, base camp. No Paxton. Probably outside taking a piss from all that tea he's been drinking. Or maybe that was him. Or that's, I guess that's what we are supposed to... The paranoia and the suspicion in the thing. Where were you when that happened? Where were you... Expertly done. This? This? Second thought. Singer and Ellen carry the wounded Bridget back to base, and Paxton finally shows up, just as Dr. Ellen is attending to Bridget's leg wound. They're suspicious of why he disappeared, not buying his... uh, I was fixing a loose camera cord out there. Camera cord came loose, I would say. Still in the woods for some reason. They were all just together coming back. I... I don't know. I guess these two knuckleheads were left behind to chase the beast. But Justin isn't freaking out about the growling and mauling they just witnessed. They just were some intense shit. Nope, doesn't bother him one bit. He's pitching Danny potential titles for the show. The Blair Foot Project. Yeti Does Dallas. The Hills Have Fur. Man, this film desperately, sorely needs a sense of humor. A, like a real one. This I'll, is all forced. I mean, it was just absolutely... If just you're going to try to inject humor in your movie, make it funny. And I, I'm the last person to ever say this, but if you have a script and you think it's good and you were like, are actually in a position to make a movie and there's comedy in it, maybe give it to like... I hate saying this. One of your funny friends who makes you laugh and like, is this funny? Because none of this shit is funny. Well, the problem with like, I, I I don't have a problem with these lines specifically, but these lines following a traumatic incident where a girl gets her foot just smashed and like that's very tense, and then you're throwing this in there to where the characters don't even respond to her tragedy. No. It doesn't work. It and, doesn't work and, at all. And the camera guy, Justin's not a real actor, so he can't balance that grief, horror thing. With It's just a mess. It's just a mess. I, I'm, I'm actually... I'm not going to put any of this on the actors. I, I just... I, I think that... I mean, even if they're non-actors, they're doing the best that they can with a subpar script. I think they're... Poor actors with a poor script, and that's just a, a recipe for disaster. You can't call the Farscape guy a poor <laughs> actor. Man. He's bad in this. You can't call the Cobra guy a poor actor. He's doing the best he can, but exactly, he's doing the best he, he can. With I, the you script. know what? I'll give him that. He seems like he's trying to do the best he can. The Farscape guy, he didn't give get anything, man. Farscape guy's just fucking phoning, phoning the shit in. Dr. Ellen wants to call in search and rescue to airlift Bridget out of here, but Paxton says, no way. We got a production to finish, and I'm not about to have a rescue team swoop in and scare away whatever it is. We might have a chance of filming tonight. Oh, my God. You've already got a hit show right now. You've got bloody intestines in a cave. No, they didn't film any of that because the camera guy wasn't filming. (laughs) Yet, honestly, was this Paxton guy good in any of those shows? 
Farscape. Yes. Started. Yes. Did he actually like act in those things? Yeah. Yes. Because he sucks a big smelly Bigfoot dick in this thing. Farscape <laughs> sounds like Bigfoot five seasons. Dick. But was he good? Yes. yes. Alright. Do you stand by me, him sucking a big smelly Bigfoot dick in this thing? No. He does. He doesn't give I, a shit in this thing. I'm not saying I stand by it. I'm just saying I, I I can agree with you. Okay, you agree with me. He sucks in this thing. Well, I I I think that he got to a point that was just like fuck it, take the check. You know what doesn't smell anything at all like Bigfoot's <laughs> dick, gentlemen? <laughs> Great transition. That's right. Uh, the intoxicating aroma of delicious tobacco <laughs> special cigars from our friends in Drew State. They smell fantastic. Don't they? <laughs> yes. Available in your choice of either extra dark Connecticut broadleaf or natural Ooh. Connecticut shade wrappers. Segway of the year. <laughs> uh, they envelop a Sumatra binder in Nicaraguan Criollo <laughs> filler leaves. Before aging, these cigars are slowly infused with Nicaraguan steak-grown coffee. The smoke is medium full-bodied, <laughs> depending on the wrapper. It's rich tobacco flavors commingling with the unmistakable aroma of coffee and some sweetness. A perfect early morning smoke or after-dinner smoke. And if you don't believe me, go out and try one for yourself. In wrestling terminology, I'm going to shoot here. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, Joe Girl. I just... I, I can't wait for that email to say, you really just transitioned with, do you know what doesn't smell like Bigfoot's dick? That's high praise. That's high praise. That is a reference. That's how you work a reference in to a movie that everyone loves. 102 episodes, boys. I know what I'm doing here. I'm the king of the segue. Uh, those tobacco specials, they're awesome. Suddenly, Bridget snaps out of her unconscious state and starts screaming that she saw the beast. And they have to get the hell out of here. Let her talk, Paxton commands. As Justin, the cameraman, doesn't film any of this dramatic shit. But it's too late as Dr. Ellen pumps her full of sleepy serum, which the camp's minimalistic medical kit had giant syringes full of for some reason. They couldn't even find the medical kit. Like, I think we have a little something bag over there. But it has a huge syringe of knockout juice. Okay. You know Paxton's got the good stuff. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the forest, the Bigfoot, which we still haven't seen an hour into this movie, which better be for a good goddamn reason. I was okay not seeing that bear for an hour in the last movie we did. Uh, I'm kind of at the point now where I'm like, I want to see a Bigfoot. <laughs> Nothing else in this movie's working for me. Give me some monsters. Right? Please. Please. Unless it's a hoax. Well, all of a sudden, the Bigfoot tosses a boulder down a cliff. He's in the shadows. You don't see the Bigfoot. He tosses a boulder down a cliff at Justin and Barnes. And once they avoid the boulder and Dustin's off, they decide to call quits for the night. Also calling quits for the night permanently is the helicopter pilot, Jonesy who gets slaughtered along with his beloved Pooch Ike by the creature ten miles away. This Bigfoot's moving all over the place, killing people. But again, the killing scene at the helicopter, no tension, no... What? 
blood. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty straightforward. Color by numbers. Not you can't scare if you don't care. I kind of cared about the dog. No, no, it wasn't, so it wasn't little little you don't care, you don't scare. It was just poorly executed. They could have executed with like some tension and him wandering. No, there was. It was just a big claw coming out and he's dead. This guy does not know how to make movies. I said it. The next morning over a hot cup of English black tea, Paxton is trying to get his assistant Danny on the radio. Danny! Danny, did you do what I said to do? Danny! Tea bag in the cup. I guess that's why you're a producer. You get paid the big bucks. You just boss. Can I start doing that with you guys? No, I'm thankful that you don't. Are we getting any big bucks? Next Ooh, barn smoker, I'm gonna be right. I'm gonna be in the back of the tobacco barn with my tea bag. Tut, Tut, did you get Pedro? Tut, did you get Pedro? It's gonna be like at least the dad, the tracker dad, got twenty seven hundred. Yeah, I guess we really don't get paid anything. <laughs> uh, well. Nobody, Danny's not answering. He was supposed to fix one of the trail cameras last night, and now he's MIA. Another guy MIA, like Dr. Moore. No real reason for concern. People are just missing. Nobody's really freaking out about it. Oh, yeah, our reporter who got her foot smashed by something. <laughs> yeah, I'm not freaking out. Yeah. Justin and Barnes return to camp, and Barnes has had enough of Paxton's bullshit. He says that little boulder stunt you pulled last night could have killed them, and he tries to knock Paxton's head off, but Singer breaks it up. Which is the weakest ass I'm gonna fight you scene ever. Oh gosh. The, everything everything was orchestrated bad here. Even the just harmless shit like I'm gonna a fight a simple fight scene was terrible. Uh Barnes says six kids killed here, including my daughter. And all you care all you slime balls care about your stupid Bigfoot show. The group is turning on each other fast. Whereas in The Thing, when they turned on each other, it was cinematic greatness that would be talked about for decades. These people are turning on each other, and nobody will ever talk about it except on our podcast. (laughs) Guaranteed. The group... Uh, all of a sudden, Paxton's walkie-talkie chirps, and it's Danny. Oh, I thought he'd be dead. I thought he'd go... No, he's telling me the trail camera was destroyed, but he's found an 18-inch footprint nearby. 18-inch footprint? That's like five inches bigger than my footprint. Wonder how big his wing is. The Bigfoot's Johnson must be enormous. I wish the doctor was here to say that. Uh, I'm sure you know 11 and. Moving on, moving on. Ten. Moving on. Paxton, Justin, and a reluctant Dr. Ellen move on and grab their gear and head out to investigate this big footprint. While they're out doing their jobs, Singer and Barnes share a beer down by the lake. Where did they get bottles of beer? Dude. Who backpacked that shit in? You know Barnes Did you look at the bottle of beer? Was it just a bottle? Oh, no. I haven't seen this in a movie in years. It's the Miller Lite text that says beer. It's the 
generic beer. How many craft breweries do we have in America right now? Over 7,000. A bazillion. You can't get one of them to say, yeah, sure, use my shit in your movie. Dude, it is B-E-E-R beer with a Miller Lite text on the bottle. Or just say, fuck it, and say, I'm going to use this beer. Want to meet me down by the lake for a beer? Sure, what you got? Beer. <laughs> Good enough for me. They got to come up with a plan, Singer says, to deal with these grade-A assholes. But we don't get to spend any real time with the men here, so we don't hear their plan. That's it. Me down there by a beer. We'll share a beer. Boom, we're gone. Uh, it ends up mattering because they... It not mattering because they had no plan. Okay. <sighs> Jesus. Speaking of grade A assholes, the grade A assholes, those assholes have found Danny and the giant footprint. As an excited and fascinated Dr. Ellen studies the highly authentic primate footprint, these hairs cannot be, uh, you know, fabricated. Uh, the the depth and the texture this is this this is very real she should know she's a doctor she is How a primate can you just say by looking they're all very happy though even she's a doctor even your Farscape guy smiling for the first time finally yeah, we finally did something we did something Paxton has to remind Justin though oh you should probably be filming this because <laughs> he wasn't okay everybody we now need to recreate our initial excitement of this groundbreaking discovery and Dr. Ellen please repeat everything you just said with the same out of breath enthusiasm because Justin forgot to turn his camera on she's so like excited and says all this shit and he's like oh Justin Ellen can you redo that and act like you didn't just get oh my god seriously as Dr. Ellen is visibly shaking her boots, rattling off details about the skin and hair samples she found, the, the camera guy is staring at her with his fucking camera pointed to the ground. All right, we get it. Move on. I'm like Cody with the gun in the woods last <laughs> episode. <laughs> Bring a gun! Like, we get it, Cade. He doesn't... Which, by the way, they should have all been carrying Cade, we get it. The camera guy doesn't... I'm sorry. Doesn't, I mean... Just say it. Cade, we get it. The camera guy doesn't... We, Cade, we get it. Camera anything. I just want to fast... Is it bad? I just want to fast forward all this to the end. They hear a scream from back at camp, and when they arrive, Bridget has woken up from her... Coma? No, the uh, sleepy juice. Sleepy juice. And she's freaking out because she saw the creature outside her tent, and now she has a cute little claw print drawn in blood on her belly. Which says doesn't make any sense at, at all. all. No matter how you look at the end of it, it makes no sense. It's like a little, cute little bear print drawn on her belly in blood. What? Paxton discovers that his production tent has been ransacked and the satellite phone is gone. Dr. Ellen pleads with him to send for help. And he finally caves, sending Danny down to the chopper in the ATV to radio search and rescue. He tells the rest of them, go ahead and take a nap. I'm going to go drink some tea. We're going to film some more stuff tonight. I don't think I'm taking a nap. My ass would be down that mountain. Well, Danny makes it to the chopper in the ATV, and when he finds the pilot Jonesy all bloodied and dead, he takes off. So the helicopter dude was supposed to just live in that helicopter for a week? He didn't I, have a tent. Well, he could have slept <laughs> in the. He could have slept no, in the shoot, helicopter. No, they show him sleeping in the they, helicopter. Yeah. 
okay, maybe two or three nights? A week? A He's going to sleep in the helicopter, and he has no tent, no bathroom, no nothing? Well, it's the woods. You go to the bathroom in the woods. He could have... He had... I uh, know. I'm sorry. I'm okay, I'm okay on this. Uh, uh, let me Don't get me his, let me get his deep ass voice. It's a week. Uh, you want me to do what? It's a week to live in your helicopter. That's okay. How about just call me on the sat phone and I'll fly up there and get you. I'm gonna go with Tut here. It's movies. Nobody pays attention to stuff. I'm gonna go with that. Uh. As Danny races back to the camp after the the helicopter massacre, he sees the Bigfoot tr- tracking him in the woods, and he hits a log and flies off the ATV. That actually made sense. Yes. That did make sense. He's got a back concussion, and he barely makes it back to camp to tell his tale. The tale being, I wrecked our only vehicle, and I forgot to get the satellite radio from the helicopter when I freaked out because the guy was dead. Then Paxton discovers that someone or something has taken his precious prescription medication, and he's freaking out. But he freaks out even more when he sees that Singer has assembled an assault rifle and is officially not taking orders from him anymore. Which is right. Singer tells the group, all they gotta do is survive the night, and I'll get you out of here in the morning. I'm with Singer. Finally, this guy's taking kind of a, you know... The fact that he hadn't put this thing together... After the intestines splayed across the uh, cave ceiling? He, did, he didn't see that. Oh, okay. But my point... Well, oh, okay, wait, he after didn't the see thing it, threw the boulder down wait, on him? but he didn't see it. He was, but my that point is... Him. That the fact No, that, that was Justin and Barnes. Uh, all right, the fact... Here's the thing. We saw... Come back. There was intestines in a cave. Intestines in a cave? Animal? We don't know. Excuse me one second. Da-da-da-da-da-da. I would literally he he just reached down below him and was like where was that gun at? Oh it was there the whole time. Uh, time to bring out old painless. Were you guys a little surprised he didn't call it old painless? Why not? I was. (laughs) Why the fuck not in this movie? (laughs) No it was just like a generic AR like civilian AR-15. No it was like with the the, uh, old school grenade launcher attachment. Which he never uses. What? But I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure it was an airsoft rifle. They just, I was, I had to look cool. I was just hoping at some point, like this dude was just gonna be like, you know, fuck it, guns everywhere. Like, where were those? You're Cobra, dude. But finally, he's like, you know, let's just make it through the night, which they don't, and I'll get you out of here. Let's let's make it through the night. What do you mean, make it through the night? But there's a montage of them sitting around the campfire at night, and you can see the director like, okay, now you sit there. There's like five dissolves. Okay, now you sit there by the campfire, and all right, we'll dissolve. All right, now you toast a marshmallow. This is going to show the well, you passage. Know this is going to show the you passage of time, like my textbook you know, and filmmaking I, I, thing told me to. When someone which says, "John Carpenter's never fucking when, done." Actually, you, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt, Cody. You, you hit the nail on it earlier. It's literally a movie paint by numbers. No, I said that. No, that's what I said. That's what I said. You hit the nail on oh, the head. I thought you gave Cody credit for that. No. No, I was saying I'm sorry, Cody, Once for interrupting again, you. Oh, okay. You're in the forest. All right, you know what? Everyone just relax. We'll just leave in the morning. My ass would be like, you know what? Everybody, get in line. We're going down this mountain. Well, it's nighttime. Fuck this. We're leaving. Well, guess what? The pilot's dead. Get in line. Fuck this. We're getting off this goddamn mountain. Everybody's peaceful hanging around the fire. 
Bridget Powers is especially peaceful. She stole uh, Paxton. She's chewing pill his pills and chugging vodka. Well, why wouldn't she? She has no fucking painkillers. Suddenly, the tracking device starts beeping. The bait they set in that fruit thing at the, the beginning fruit. at the dragon fruit is taking off. Uh, so they're on the move. Singer, Barnes, and Justin venture out to track it down. Singer crosses a river with his big-ass machine gun, with Barnes following him, but the guy they hired to, you know, know everything, slips on a big log and racks his balls and drops his gun in the river. Goonie style. (sighs) Gun falls down. Uh... Did somebody rack their balls in the Goonies? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wet log, they're crossing a stream, slip, boom. Which, seen, at this I've point, I question long. the fact that the person told them, you know, why didn't you have the strap on the gun? Oh, well, no, no, there's a reason. A little hand, this is a little hand. No, he was carrying a pistol. You well, dropped his even pistol. Still, but I'm with Cody. If, well, if, I'm, if I'm, like, looking at that little thing and I see the dragon, flute, uh, the dragon fruit going this way, I'm going the other way down the fucking mountain. Well, Barnes and Justin both see the creature emerge from behind Singer. He's relaxed a bit because he finds a raccoon. It was just a raccoon. It was straight up predator scene where the... Where Jesse the Body sees the raccoon or the porcupine. Yeah. It's just a raccoon. Everything's fine. It's just a raccoon. There's a giant Bigfoot behind you. But the river is racing. He can't hear their voices. It's okay. It was just a raccoon. No, it's... But again, fucking raccoon plays a part in this thing. Uh, He can't hear his teammates warning him over the rushing river, so the Bigfoot violently twists his neck, sending Singer's blood everywhere. Because they can't do this? 20 minutes left in this film, we got a tiny glimpse of the Bigfoot. Like a second. Yay. Back at camp, Paxton is firing his gun into the dark. He's just shooting everywhere. Like, he's gone full blast. Shooting it everywhere. It seems as if there's growling kind of coming from everywhere, so he's just shooting everywhere he can find. The Bigfoot throws something at poor Danny's head. I didn't see what that... Like a log or something? I guess, yeah. Hits him in the head. The poor guy had a concussion and like stumbles out of his tent like... I'm feeling better, guys. (laughs) Kills him. He's dead. Uh, Paxton runs back into his tent, packs up that giant footprint plaster cast of the Bigfoot thing into his backpack. Fuck the camera footage that never ran. I've got this plaster. They they make a very point of him smashing that vial of something because the camera hangs on it, but it it doesn't matter because we never never, know what it is. That never means anything. Uh, He packs some other shit up, but he's out of there. But suddenly, Justin and Barnes arrive back at camp, and when they tell everyone Singer had his throat ripped out by the Bigfoot, a belligerent, drugged up and drunk, uh, Bridget Powers finally goes off on Paxton. Much like our chick in the last movie went off on that dude when they were trapped. She tells him, I was warned that you were a fuck up. You've always been a fuck I heard you were always a fuck up. And now maybe, just maybe, they'll let me, you'll, they'll let you fetch my coffee on my next hit show. Two fucking creams, two fucking sugars, asshole. And then Paxton just shoots her ass. Right in the tit. He just blasts her. 
In front of everybody. In front of everybody. And when Barnes, you know, the guy, the hero's like, I gotta do something. Shoot his ass. Dr. Allen and Justin wisely keep their traps shut. <laughs> Whoa. My name is Paul and this is between y'all. <laughs> Dude, it is. He looks at him like, eh, I might need these bullets later. He, he just runs off. Alright, it took me a while to reconciliate this, but... Uh, Alright, Re- reconcile. Reconcile this. Alright, first of all, I'm guessing those drugs that she stole was like his personality thing to where he needed those to not be a homicidal maniac. In a good script, we'd get some insight on that. Maybe. Uh, that's the only thing I could think of because I'm like, I understand she's a bitch, but you're not going to shoot her there in front of other like three other people. And no, this thing, con- no context on why this guy would do that. And this no. thing literally just... Off the rails. He's a fucking TV it's off producer. The rails. He's a TV producer, and he just shot two people in front of two witnesses and didn't care about the, like the make, two witnesses. It, even it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. Cody's right. This is just from here. It's off. Doctor Ellen, as I said, and Justin kept their trap shut, so they were allowed to live as as Paxton runs off. Speaking of traps, as the three survivors make their way through the woods, sans Paxton, of course. Uh, Justin gets his foot caught in a bear trap. He's stuck there in immense pain, and the badly wounded Barnes can't help worth a damn. So Dr. Ellen runs to a nearby cabin. All of a sudden, there's a cabin to help. First of all, I, I, I do have to... I, I, I hate slowing down this any more than I have to, but I love the fact that she tries to get the ba- the bear trap open, and it slips and it recloses. <laughs> Makes it worse. That, that should always happen. That yeah. should happen. I yeah. mean, if you don't, if you're not used to those things, that should happen. And they finally yeah. showed it. And I'm like, thankfully, there's a smart. Oh, this something should be easy this. enough. Oh God, <laughs> that's pretty much what he did. My intense pain is so much worse now. I'm in a lot of pain. Thanks, Doctor Ellen. You're. As someone who deals with animals and things like that. I don't know. I figured maybe she would have. Some You're trying kind to inject logic in the something that exactly. doesn't. No, at this point, yeah, doesn't it's just, yeah. At this point, it's just let's get it on. A long-haired mountain woman. Let's on that theme of illogical nonsense. Let's let's keep talking. Oh yes, let us now come to the ending. A long-haired mountain woman lets Ellen in and tells her that she'll be safe here in the cabin right before she bashes her in the face with a giant club. When the doctor wakes up, she's tied to a chair along with Barnes, and the woman is making fun of their big city ways and their useless big city phones. She wants to know what they were going to do with the Bigfoot when they captured it. Tie it up? Poke it with a stick? Lock it in some hospital? You people ruin everything you touch, she says. Maybe she's Bigfoot's babe. Okay. Bigfoot's baby mama? Could be. Okay. Well, I guess not, because suddenly two dirty hillbillies barge in, dragging Justin, and they're both dressed up in gorilla suits. Apparently, these inbred hicks are behind everything. They're out there running around in furry suits. One of them, a giant deformed man named Luke, bashes Justin's skull with a sledgehammer off camera. His feet twitch like the first victim in Chainsaw Massacre. Again, it was Justin exactly. He picks rolling. up the hammer. Just like Leatherface. Feet twitch a little bit. They can't even get that kind of effort out of this guy. 
and he slams the door. It's supposed to be a total tribute to Chainsaw, but in this thing, it feels like lazy fucking it, bullshit. It was just... As that's, soon as I saw it... I put Leatherface on the table. There's only one Leatherface. And I also brought this little guy tonight. Ha <laughs> ha! You ready? Oh, God. Uh, this is more scary than the fuckers we've seen in this movie. This little doll. All right. Moving forward. Cody, you want to hold him? I do. <laughs> Sorry. 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 Um... One of them, Luke, kills that guy. It's a pathetic attempt to copy Chainsaw Massacre. The woman then tells Dr. Ellen she won't be killed. They need her. As she places a patchwork baby doll into a crib. I'm guessing they need her womb. Yeah. To continue the the family. The inbred hillbilly theme. They need fertile wombs. That... Which has basically become more like a... Wrong turn. Wrong turn. Going to get to that in a minute. Uh, The director also likes that movie. Apparently so. As the one mongoloid hangs Justin up and guts him like a deer nearby, the other bad dude starts carving chunks of flesh off barns for the woman to add to her stew. But he's using a power saw. No, a power knife. Power knife. It's like a carving knife. Yes. Which I think they use in Chainsaw Massacre 2. Which I'm like, okay, so these hillbillies, they're living out in the middle of nowhere, but they've got electricity. Yeah. Well, yeah. she says they venture into town and... Yeah, and they've, got, they've got electricity. Yeah. People know who they are. You saw some lights. They wouldn't, and, take some on, lights. they wouldn't take on the big city ways. No, you, you see some lights. I mean, They have kerosene lamps and electricity, because that makes sense. <sighs> Even the Amish have lights. Not all of them. Others use just the the natural oil lamps. Uh, oil oil. The oil other, oil. The bad guy starts chunk carving with the electric carving knife chunks of flesh off barns for the woman to add to her stew. So we went from the Bigfoot movie to Chainsaw Massacre to straight into wrong turn. Did you guys see this coming? No. I didn't. No. I saw that there was going to be something. I didn't think he was going to go that way. I thought something had to happen to make... Please, God, make something... An interesting twist or turn to make this worth my hour of time. I didn't see this going. I didn't see it going here. Uh, The woman orders the guy, her son, her brother... Something. Her brother's son? Inbreds. Uh, to put some romantic music on the old-timey record player, and he drags a mummified corpse out of the attic to dance with. You know, folks, many, many a filmmaker have tried to recreate the insanity of the iconic Texas Chainsaw Massacre dinner party scene. Everyone has failed. You can't recreate that shit. No. You can't. And here is Rob Zombie can't. Whoever the fuck made this movie can't. You can't recreate that scene. I'm willing to say, I've, I've watched thousands of horror movies and hundreds have tried. You can't you can't recreate the insanity of that scene 
And this thing is and one of the weakest where, attempts I've ever seen. And here's where I will disagree. I actually thought, all right, this scene doesn't work because in the context of the rest of this movie, I was just like, what the fuck? Okay. But her screaming, his screaming, especially I'll just go ahead and come up, the mummified corpse that comes down is the dude's daughter. And when he recognizes that... Six weeks? She's mummified? No way. When he, I'm sorry. When he recognizes that, just all the screaming that's going on, I thought it was bananas. I thought it actually worked. I thought it was just a nice... In a capsule by itself scene, I liked it. In context of the rest of the movie, it didn't make sense. Oh, I didn't yeah. care about it. But in terms of just the sheer chaotic craziness of this one little scene... I thought it was cool. I thought it was just like, this is kind of fucked up. When the dude brought out the power knife and he's slicing off the dude's leg, I'm just like, holy shit, this is fucking... Yeah, he's going for it. He's out there. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with the director doing this stuff. I was just like, I mean, he's literally like peeling into the thigh. They're thighing it up while the guy is just fucking screaming. They're closing up on the girl who's looking at all this going like, what the fuck? And she's just screaming bloody murder. I, I, I was cool with it. Now I feel like we're on ESPN first take, like Stephen A and that other guy. Where I like, yeah, kinda, but to me, no, that, no, no, I'm gonna tell you, let, let me tell you what I think. But to Ty. me, that's like contrived to where it's like you take one position, I have, no, I'm, I'm contractually I, obligated to take the other no, position. That, that's how that show works. I'm gonna tell you how our show works. Well, I feel like this is more like ESPN I'm gonna tell you how I eight. feel about this. I'm gonna tell you how I felt watching this. It felt so inauthentic, so staged. I watched it all play out without feeling the slightest sense of terror, fear, disgust. I honestly didn't feel a goddamn anything watching any of this. I feel it more like it was ESPN 8, the Ocho. <laughs> it's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see where he's going to take it. I'm, with, I, I'm the opposite of Tut. I felt like this was a guy trying to recreate Chainsaw and like trying to do... He literally just went... Graphic stuff. I didn't buy any of it. I didn't buy the, the, the music on the record player. I didn't buy the corpse. I didn't oh, buy the... Oh, I actually, went, oh, I actually went, liked that because it was like different speeds on the... It, I didn't buy any of this bullshit. I, I think one of the things if, is... And, and this is why I say this. If they had somehow tied in the crazy family somewhere in the beginning... That well, woman. it's obviously been it's obviously been a lot of them doing that shit out in the woods. Well, so like, was, I mean, if if they had started off at like some convenience store where you saw some, them, yeah, or where you saw that woman. Well, first of all, or the it's, guy, it's very disjointed story writing. It's very poor story writing. So you don't get any of that connection at all. It's, right. It's, it's literally like it's the guy was like, I, it was like, or it, I almost pictured it as like, hey, I've got this idea for a Bigfoot-type movie. And then somewhere in the writing, they got the idea for the crazy family. It's bullshit. And then they, they focused on that crazy family. They didn't put enough time into tying it all together. It's bullshit 20-something screenwriting where you're like, you know what? I'm going to throw in a crazy fucking twist at the end. Yeah. There's this crazy yeah. fucking family. And I like Wrong Turn. And I like Chainsaw Man. Right. So I'm going to bring so, all this shit I mean, in right. at the end. But I will say this. It's going to blow I will say this. Away. It's an you interesting juxtaposition because, like, you you guys are like film buffs, and you especially, Cade, you're you're crazy about the horror movies. You've watched a bazillion of them, whereas me, I haven't watched a bazillion of them, so I don't know all but the even, failed but attempts. But even the on guy that. dancing with the corpse and that, 
he didn't look like a hillbilly that had been living in the in the mountains for years. He had a trim trim beard like me. I just shaved today. If this was yesterday, I'd be like, he looked like me if he had trimmed. But he had like a ball cap. He didn't look like a fucking. It was just poor casting, and he just kind of giggled. And then you know we'll have this record player it, skit. It was just such inane bullshit. Like I said, this thing is a reference machine, and it's yes. not even a reference machine sticking to one genre. Which I'm okay with. I'm okay with jumping genres. I'm okay with David Lynch going from uh, uh, this storyline, you know, in Blue Velvet, to all of a sudden you're in this in this weird ass situation. I love it. I love when you take a crazy turn well, into no, crazy but this town. Isn't even a crazy turn. But this was so fucking artificial and forced and faked. It was just well, that, yes, it that, just that reeked, my, it just reeked of if horseshit. You had somehow connected the crazy family in the beginning. I don't even care about that. I, I think that's the thing that that doesn't work is that it all felt forced. It, it was all so, felt all like so I mean, you literally take it was so saccharine. You take a turn into something that's like, well, how does this even apply? Yeah. I, I all think of a sudden you're out there looking for. If Bigfoot. she had gone into that cabin. And that actress and those actors and everything had been handled by a deaf director's hand, D-E-F-T, where they knew how to orchestrate real horror and real terror. Well, I, And I, you were like, all of a sudden, like, what the fuck? Well, not only no, that, but... I, I, I anticipated... But I also... I knew before that lady... I knew before that mom said it. The moment she opened the door, you knew what was going to no, happen. No, but I knew the minute before she said it, they're going to put a fucking... Old ass song on that record player. I saw it. I, I I anticipated. I was five steps ahead of this asshole. What could make this creepy? An old ass song on the record player. What could make this creepy? What could, dude? This guy's playing checkers. I'm playing chess. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. It's even, bullshit. Okay, well, then, what I'm saying is even like you it's know uh, go, going back, yeah. go back to, to, to 420 massacre. They tie it all together. The park ranger. See, that's that's where I think you're spot on, is that yes. the fact that there was no tie-in to this family at all throughout the entire movie, except for the last 20 minutes. Well, a great thing. The Ranger, we're kind of like, when he comes back at the end of evil, we've already been introduced to him. We liked him at the beginning. He seemed like a cool dude. That's why it was such a good turn. We kind of liked this guy. He was a beer-drinking guy. Like, oh, shit. But even then, a good filmmaker could make you drop Dr. Ellen into that house of horrors and make it work. This was a generic house of horrors filled with stereotypical bullshit from every horror film ever made, yeah. and it was just unbelievable nonsense. I, I actually, and, he, and she and he stole from, I mean, you know, I he, thought it was he, Chainsaw he too. From the original Chainsaw. He stole from the fucking remake Chainsaw with him pulling the guy down and gutting him down there. If you're gonna steal from the great, steal from the great. Don't steal from the remake of the greats. <laughs> this guy's stealing from everything. If, and the only way I can say this because I mean, we're <laughs> gonna see here in a little bit. You shoplifting motherfucker. I mean, we're literally gonna see <laughs> here in a little bit. So I mean, it, it's. But at this point, actually, at this point in the fucking, movie, I'm just calling. All fucking, right, this happened. The only thing that would have. Ma- Tied this up to me to where I would have been like, you know what? I can live with this ending. If the fucking Sasquatch broke down the fucking door and killed the fucking crazy family, I'd be like, I can live with this. Yeah. 
But no, that's damn, not what we get. No. Cool. Here's what we get. Barnes, uh, despite his gunshot wound and being his legs are completely carved off, breaks free of his ropes, goes for a knife. His legs are in the soup. <laughs> Parts of them. Just a, you know, about 40% of thigh like, material. I can do it. Dude, they're eating your legs as you speak. I can, I can get this out of here. Okay. They stop them, slit his neck uh, left to right. He's dead. But just then, Dr. Ellen loosens her rope restraints, dumps the scalding hot soup stew in the woman's face, and then grabs a scalding hot frying pan and beats the badger to death. I did like that. I actually yes. like that. Usually the chicks just give him one whack and run. She she made sure that I dude was like dead. 15, 16 whacks. Oh, she, she made, made sure. Made sure and I love that touch. I do like that. Is Everyone the complains dead? when the chick stabs him and drops a knife or anything like, kill him, kill him. I, she's like, I'm making sure she that you're killed him. I hit him in the head, but I don't see brains. I'm going to see some fucking brains before I run away. That was nice. Should have done that to the mom. She runs out in the rain, Dr. Ellen, and tries starting several cars. You see, they collect their victims' vehicles and hide them under camouflage tarps, just like they fucking did in Wrong Turn. Like, literally, exactly like they did in Wrong Turn. This... Hey, filmmaker, guess what? They already made that movie. Everything you've done, they did it. The third car she goes into actually starts, so she hits the gas and takes off. There's a little picture of a teenage couple well, okay, on the thing. Well, okay, and here's the thing. And this this is what kind of stuck with me. Because Ben Browder, and, and this is where I, I, I don't know if Ben Browder was in Stargate SG-1. Stargate SG-1 had MacGyver. Richard Dean Anderson. In MacGyver, they did an episode where there was a fake Bigfoot. I think you're reaching. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just say it for certain, but it sounds like you're reaching. Go back and watch it. I watched the MacGyver Bigfoot because that sounds awesome. It, that episode, but I, I really don't think that has anything to do with what we're talking about. But my point is here. I'm like... Actually, I know it has nothing to do with what it, we're talking about here. In terms of tying stuff together, that is a... I'm, don't get me wrong. It, it's a reach, but I swear to God. We'll laugh if we read this somewhere where this director is like, you know what? I watched the MacGyver I re- Bigfoot I really, episode. I really studied the MacGyver Bigfoot episode. and You know uh, it to be true. You know it's true. When MacGyver stopped the Bigfoot with paper you, clips and... Would you say no to Squeeze his belly. He'll talk. Well, okay. I'm just saying it. It all makes sense. I'm just saying, I I liked uh, Barnes Moxie. Like you know what, my legs are in the crock pot, but I'm gonna still try to fight him. Why not? And the only reason I say that is with those, with everything else this guy is trying to throw in, he starts out with the fake Bigfoot. Or with the Bigfoot thing. And it just... Well, here we're going to learn something here. Ten stories. Yeah, we're going to learn something here. So she hits... That that one final car works. She hits the gas, takes off. 
She's driving through muddy roads. We're like, we learned in these movies, they never just get away. Uh, she plows over the. Remember the bad brother Luke, yes. the big mongoloid. She runs his hunchback over as he wandered outside to see what all the ruckus was about. Uh, but after running his ass over, she keeps her foot on the gas as all these chicks do, and immediately crashes the car into a big explosion. All is not lost though. The car's OnStar service is triggered by the wreck, and a voice comes on telling her to continue breathing. That's good advice. <laughs> okay. We're here. We we have your location. Continue breathing. Oh, thank you. I was You're right. To, I was about to start. You're right. You're right. You're right. I should keep doing that. We've located your vehicle, and we're sending help. My question, on the rearview mirror was the teen couple whose this car obviously belonged to beforehand. Would the police have used OnStar to track this vehicle when it was originally lost? Correct, because they can turn that on remotely. Yes. Wouldn't they have been able to find this vehicle yes, they would months have. or years ago when these yes. people went missing? Yes. Okay. Yes. There's movies. In an emergency situation, the police may turn that on. Whatever. Uh, suddenly, the old mountain woman bursts through the driver's side window and attacks Ellen. And we cut. We cut to the forest where Paxton, your boy, is still running around aimlessly firing bullets <laughs> into the forest. He falls down, loses his gun, of course. So he lights up a road flare, and as soon as he swings it around, pray tell, what does he find? What right could it be? in front of him. That's right. An actual Bigfoot. It growls mightily as it raises its ginormous arms and then it slashes the TV producer asshole into bits. The end. I was just really waiting for him to go, are you shitting me? I wanted to say something. That would have been <laughs> some character to him. Oh, shit. Something. You gotta be shitting. Anything. Wow. Okay. Anything. He didn't say shit. I'm sorry. You say he's a good actor. I. He sucked in this. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't he? He got a paycheck. <laughs> hey, man. Rugger, you want me to do Rugger what? Rugger Hauer. Rugger Hauer. Might well, be a paycheck, but I'm going to give it everything I got. Well, I like this dude. He's not Rugger Hauer. This guy clearly just drank tea. and. Yes, but I also have to ask the question. If Rugger Hauer had been handed this script... What would he have done? I think he would have been like, you know what, I'm Rucker Howard, I'm going to make some changes here. I think he would have fucking made an interesting character. Your guy, Farscape guy, sucks. I'm sorry. No, this script sucks. That is true. The storytelling watch sucks. Watch Farscape. I'm not going to watch Farscape. It's good. Watch, watch it. Watch 50 hours of this TV series and prove me wrong. Do me I'm not going to do that. Do me one favor. Just one favor. All right. I watch the first three episodes. Ah, it's like three hours. The first three... I'm not telling you to watch five years of Farscape. And the funny thing is... Just the first three I'm not going to watch anything to prove it. And you don't even have to pay to watch that. We had to pay to watch this, this shit. What if Leatherface asked you? <laughs> this guy showed me everything he... What he brings to the craft in this movie. Bullshit. Did y'all think at some point 
Ellen was going to find Alex, the missing daughter, in that house? I did. Because she, she was never found, and it was like, she's missing, she's missing. No, that was the corpse. Dude, she's not mummified after six weeks. No, the well, dad recognized it because well, of something okay. that she was wearing on First the roof. On the on the on the roof. Because they're crazy hillbillies, and because they're all about. I didn't see that at all. Yeah, the yeah. dad. The, the dad. They, they, they saw something. Yeah, on the yeah they they all showed right. a close up of the wrist. The dad recognized it and just started so yelling like crazy. What, and one of the things here, which is why she could be mummified, if you live out in the thing, the only means. To preservation of food, if you're not doing refrigeration, salt, salt. They could have salted the corpse. She would have mummified the. It's so much more creepy with him holding that doll. Okay, I missed that completely. Uh, okay, so that was Alex that he was that, yeah. dancing. Yes. Okay. Also, this is the second film in a row where we don't know if the main chick lived or died. It ended with that crazy. Mountain woman breaking through her thing. The difference is in our last movie, Backcountry, I cared. I don't give a shit here. The only thing I really wanted to see out of this was the, the use of modern technology to where the woman is screaming at her and she just rolls up the window <laughs> and like locks her head. That's true, it's still running. Uh, she could just. Uh, and it would have been like the hilarious, like. Uh, <laughs> Boys, I've watched an inordinate amount of Bigfoot films. Uh, t- you can attest to that. Flying next to me on airplanes. <laughs> Amazon has a ton of these things. And for some reason... Well, mainly for Tut. I'll be honest. I did this for... It's, it's a brand new movie. It just came out. And no, I, w- I respect it. And yeah. I was interested in the... You know, I... I Watch the featurette with Adrian Barbeau talking about what a Carpenter fan this director was. Yeah. Uh, so I picked this one. No, I can understand it. I can understand the choice. Uh, there's better ones out there. Um, there's a lot of shitty ass Bigfoot movies, but there's some far better ones than this. Uh, <sighs> no, we can categorize this as a shitty ass Bigfoot movie. Can I mean, like, yeah, like? it was a disjointed story at all. I mean, it was it w- wasn't a cohesive story. I mean, there wasn't a it didn't join all the parts together. It was very disjointed. Uh, it was just it wasn't good storytelling. Uh, according to you, there's some actors in this that are good that weren't good in this. Um, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I, I, en- I I have enjoyed Paxton in, like Cody said, Farscape in SG-1. Uh, he always plays a little cocky. kind of. In this, I can, I can kind of see where the director was like, dude, smarmy guy, this guy would make sense. But the script didn't give him any... I mean, it just... It's a weak-ass script. Given it a good director, I think the guy could do some good stuff. And this guy's not a good director. It was a weak-ass script, uh, it was weak-ass directing, and for the first time in a while, um, you know, we like to do our little thumbs-up, beer, cigar thing. I'm, I'm going to give this movie a big thumbs-down. Uh, it didn't do anything for me at all. What was the runtime on this movie? 
A little over an hour and a half. Really? Because yeah. it felt like almost two and a half. No, yeah, no, it did. It was literally yes, like an t- hour and a half. I'm with Todd. It was. It felt like two. There was a lot of times to where I was on my phone and I just. It, it didn't. The way I look at it is that if your runtime is an hour and a half and I'm bored and I'm going elsewhere, your pace sucks. Your an story's half, not good. An hour and a half is a movie. Any other and it should be. Not, and, I lo- and, I, and I love stories that can be encapsulated in an hour and a half, under two hours. I hate the big three-hour just mega productions. I, I like a, I like a succinct story, and this is not a succinct story. It's a disjointed story. I just like... The How script. do you connect all these parts? And it just it, it felt like they had like, oh, this is a good idea. Oh, this is a good idea. Oh, this is a good idea. And they never spent any time joining okay. any of those ideas. Correct. Uh, the script was shit. The directing of that script was shit. The casting was shit. Now you sound like the cigar guys. Hey. I can at least back it up and made some good movies. With a lot less. So... Come at me, bro. Didn't have near the budget of this thing. Hell no. You know. And once again, that is just what it is surprising. And it... Honestly, it's surprising, not just with this film, the but... The only one, honestly... Just numerous the, films the, is like, how? The only one I will give a pass to here is... What's it? Brian... Thompson. Thompson. He was trying. He and... Was he was not given shit to work with, but I honestly got the sense that he was he was trying. Right. And he was actually like, alright, this lines are shit, the dialogue shit, the situation shit, but I, the, the reason I'm why... It, I'm the, giving it what I got. I the, didn't get that from your dude, Paxton. I didn't, I didn't get that from... I got that from Dr. Allen, but she had no... None of these characters had anything, anything to, to work with. Work yeah. with, yeah. Here. Dr. Ellen, I was kind of okay with. Uh, Singer, I was okay with, especially in the scene when he realizes that Brian was a military as well. No, there's a, very, like, there's a warmth on his face, and he kind of touches his shoulders like... I was like, dude, I buy this. Yeah, tell me more about who you are. Yeah. But we never get that. Uh, yeah, that. other than that, man, waste of money, waste of talent, waste of... Of course, in Devil's Advocate, I can just see the director going, "Yeah, well, you motherfuckers paid for to watch this shit." We did on Amazon, five bucks. You got my five bucks. You got his five bucks. You got, got his my five, five bucks. bucks. Uh, well, I, the, I actually I got the standard definition, so it was only four bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you never know until you watch it, boys. You never know. <laughs> You never know until you watch it. Uh, so, okay, we've done a grizzly bear horror. We've done Bigfoot horror. Who knows where we're going next, boys? Somewhere that's not in the woods. <laughs> well, we got Friday 13th coming up this week, but that obviously wouldn't air till well, after that. After Friday 13th. So, uh, Tuesday Night Cigar Club hates topical. <laughs> Apparently. We hate it. Uh, <laughs> well, there's something we could be relevant with and really hit the home. Nah, hey, we were no. relevant with the Jonas brother, dude. Yeah, we. well, that'll be old news by the time this comes out. <laughs> uh, well done, Nick Jonas. Okay, Tut, we'll be back 
for more Halloween goodness in two weeks, give us some links. All right. If you like some pictures, join us on Instagram, TNCC underscore podcast. Uh, check out all of our lovely stories there. Uh, speaking of stories, you can also watch it on Facebook, uh, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Uh, if you want to join us on Twitter, you can do it at TNCC Cast. If you want to subscribe to us on YouTube, thank you to all the people that are subscribing to us on YouTube. I love watching this. So and so is subscribed to your YouTube channel. That is Tuesday Night people Cigar Club. Dot com. Uh, no, that's our website is TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. Which, speaking of, if you're going to buy some cigars, go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com, hit on the Famous Smoke Shop banner, and then you can do all your shopping from there. And by the way, if you're going to spend 100 bucks, do that promo code TNCC20, and you will save $20 off of a purchase of 100 bucks. That, my friends, is like 20%. I don't want to toot my own horn. Okay, I do. Uh, Cigar Monster, which is a branch of yes. Famous Smoke Shop, was running a crazy Drew Estate deal. Like 10, or, I'm sorry, 20, 10 Drew Estate cigars. It was Harestelli, it was Nika Rustica, it was Undercrowns, for like some insane price. And somebody posted on Drew Estate fan page. I'm like, you know what? Order four of those bad boys. Get over 100 bucks, get 20. And so many people took advantage of it. Like, thank you, brother. Like, dude, they were using the shit out of our promo code, and they got a ton of great cigars. They saved some money. A lot of money. By the so. way, if you're going to do some Amazon shopping, click on the Amazon uh, graphic on TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. Do your shopping from there. Uh, we get a little kickback. It doesn't cost you anything, and it helps us, you know, keep the lights on. I actually saw a little bit of a bump in our bank account from Amazon last week, so... Yeah. Excellent. We'll take what we can get it. And by the way, if you're going to be in, uh, what are we, Kentucky? Hit you with some uh, Kentucky Barn Smoker, man. Come join us. Come up to us and say, Cade rocks, and you get a you get a uh, button. <laughs> you're going to give us a button? Wait, I know which button you're going to give, and that's a cool-ass button. It's a cool-ass button. What's cool about it? It's got Tom Atkins on it. Oh, yeah. It's got Tom Atkins on it. Smoking a cigarette on it. I'm surprised he wasn't in this movie. Uh, If he was, that would have made it a hundred times better. (laughs) Even he, I don't know if he can, I don't know, we'll see. Come on, Barbo and Atkins. Come, yes, this should air before Kentucky, so come come see us at Kentucky Martin Smoker. Get a button. Um... We, it is really a fucking badass button. It is a great-ass button. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, our march to Halloween will continue. We should have at least two more shows. I hope so. Uh, that's the plan before Halloween. Um, that's the plan, but TNCC style, things change. <laughs> Especially with College Boy over here. Uh, but no, it, it, it's been a fun show. I'm going to try to find us one more movie with 10 horror. If I can't, then I'm just going to yank ah, us out of the woods. Get and get us out of the woods, man. You want us out of the woods? Yeah. Let's, okay. Let's, I'll get us in the city next time. Next the, show will be in the city. Pull the gloves off. I want to go fucking scary. Uh, I want to go the house that October built where some dude in a bloody bunny suit gave me nightmares. You want to go hardcore. You want to be scared. You want hardcore in your nightmare dreams 
Cody, I'm scared. I'm already scared. You, all right. You, you send him. You put him on this mission. Right, he listeners. will find it. You heard it here first. Uh, I'm going to follow Tut's guide, and I'm going to bring you something scare the shit out of you. You know, I'm going to watch it during the day on my back deck in full broad daylight. Can't see the with screen. My, with like, my gun in my... <laughs> uh, thank you, folks, for listening to us. Thank you for bearing with us. I know we slur a lot. and You slur a lot. Well, to get, yeah. this, slur a lot. Well, to get through this show, you have to. Uh, I mean, the movie, not the, the show. 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 Alright, yeah. real quick. Uh, fourth Three thumbs up on the cigar. Yes. Three thumbs up on the beer, I think. Yeah, actually, well, that's fantastic. And the movie? Three Something thumbs bad. down. Oh, ouch. Better luck next time. I would give you a halfway mark just no. in, act- in just oh. in actors alone, but utilization of said actors? I mean, if you had let them use their experience... When wanting to pay tribute to a master like Carpenter, you have to tread a very thin line to where it's not karaoke. I will say this: you, uh, we you, had a we have a project. Were, you sir were so far beyond karaoke. It was no. I will say this: uh, you're gonna. Put the link up to our Kickstarter for yes. Angel Dust. I'll show you the video for what we want to do. And Angel Dust was an homage to Carpenter, much like this project wanted to be. And your premise behind it was wanting to do a shot, shot by shot, throughout our feature of Carpenter's deals. In the script, you never once showed like this is a carpenter shot this is a carpenter reference this was a carpenter deal you never once did that that's why i thought the project was so damn great is that it was never blatant over the top this is carpenter you had to be an actual carpenter fan to actually pick up on the carpenter clues because it was done stylistically yeah it was done cinematically and this guy did not do that and this guy just this guy was blatantly saying oh it's carpenter you don't go carpenter you don't go hansen you don't you don't. Here, look, 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 look. This guy, as we say in the film world, blew the pooch. <sighs> this I'm, guy sucks ass. Sorry, his dick. I wish it was better. I wish we could say more nicer things, but we can't. Eventually, we get it. You like the pop culture references. Move on. Yeah. Better luck next time, asshole. <laughs> May the wings of liberty. I don't want to be that dickhead, <laughs> but still, it's kind of where we're at. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Sayonara, fucking assholes. <laughs> learn more about the time I was fired from my job as a forest ranger when I snubbed my nose at the Park and Wildlife Department's employee handbook, which demanded I wear pants at all time while on duty. Please, read my 2007 best-selling short story, Not All Weenies Are For Roasting, and Other Erotic Campfire Tales, by Keith A. Howell. What, you don't think it was a bestseller? You call me a liar? Well, technically it was the bestseller of all my wilderness-based short stories, so I am telling the truth. Don't make me take my pants off and teach you how to start a fire.
Um, <clears throat> sorry about that, folks. I guess it's still a sensitive subject for your old buddy Keith. And in the meantime, to learn more about the cigars and other libations enjoyed on tonight's episode, you can visit DunbartonCigars.com and Rogue.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'BrienSimple.com and download their free smartphone app, where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.FritzBeerMusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying, until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky. And for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Go to work, get drunk, go to sleep, I get up. Go to work, get drunk, go to sleep, I get up. Go to work, get drunk, go to sleep, I get up.